Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BetUS.com or call 800-729-3887. That's 800-729-BETUS. BetUS for 125% bonuses with promo code JONES22. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone and social and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. You can also use the promo code JONES22 with crypto for a 200% bonus. That's BetUS.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by a professional golfer and NBC golf analyst, Nota Begay, will join us as he is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at Southern Hills Country Club, the site of the 2022 PGA Championship. We'll get a full preview of the PGA with Nota when he joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week as well at the end of the show. And our regular segments, our Big 12 breakdown, and a uh, comprehensive look at the PGA and the NBA playoffs. All that will be covered in more on today's show as Thomas Bridges joins me now. And Tom, it is here. It is time to get this PGA Championship underway. We talked about Tulsa getting ready for it last week, and now it's finally here. Uh, This is a long time coming. It is, Jones. It is. And I can tell you from just being living down the street from Southern Hills, uh, traffic is currently a nightmare. Um, Even... You know, and I live down the way on, you know, 71st uh, in Sheridan. So a couple, I guess, city blocks away. But I work at the City Plex Towers as well. And so I have a big view of just Lewis and of Harvard. And I can tell you that that right now is is a crazy traffic nightmare. A lot of people parking at the City Plex Towers and at the Maybe Center and shuttling over. Um, and through the first two days, um, at the time that we're recording this, there has not been a shortage of people by any means. <laughs> man, you talk about old man, get off my lawn. Like when the first thing you mention is traffic and parking, then that, that tells me like everything I need to know. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, it's from the $18 beers and you know, I like it's, I'm enjoying it because there's people here in Tulsa and it's good for Tulsa. But at the same time, when it directly affects me now, don't get me wrong. I'll be there on Friday and Saturday, but when it directly affects me trying to get to my job, that's if I don't work from home, which I didn't today. Um, it is just a, uh, it's a pain in the ass. Can you imagine too on Thursday when that, pairing of tiger rory and jordan spieth tee off at 8 15 in the morning on thursday and people are trying to get to work and everything i think i'm going to need to be at the course at like 5 30 or 6 in the morning i mean it is going to be nuts 
Oh, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. Um, hopefully I will be working from home that day. Um, and not trying to make it to the city plugs towers. They've done a good job so far. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that, um, on enforcing people not parking in the actual employee parking. Um, so that's good. Tow trucks are out is what you're saying. I think so. I think maybe people are smart enough to not do that. Um, I've never been towed before. No, neither have I. And it's not definitely not something I want to happen. <laughs> and I don't think anybody else wants it to happen. Um, you know, I'll tell you the Tulsa State Fair is usually pretty tough on the towing when that comes to town. So I'm sure there's no shortage of it um, now. The thing but... I've always wondered with tow trucks, though, is, Tom, like, I see places they put up signs that say, we will tow, we enforce towing. And I've always wondered, okay, well, who am I supposed to call then? I don't see anything about a phone number or the agency that's towing. Am I supposed to call up every single tow truck place and figure out which one's got my car? What do I do if I got a tow truck? Yeah, that's, I always thought that too. And I'm like, well, what do you do? Um, if you don't know what your towing company is towing, do you just start calling them all? <laughs> and you better know your license plate, I would guess. Yeah. I mean, you could tell them what car, but you know, if you have a, a, a pretty common car, then, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. That's, there's no worse time to ruin your day than when your car gets towed. Cause then not only do you not have your car, you also have to pay like $200 to get it back. Yeah. It's not cheap. Right. And then you have to get an Uber to the tow place. Hope the tow place hasn't closed for the night. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it would be very unfortunate. I would, you know, I've never ran out of gas, um, like on the highway or anything, and I've never been towed, and I don't plan to, honestly. I hope that never happens to me. I've never been to jail. I've never been towed. Uh, never run out of gas, knock on wood. If, if I had to pick, though, between those three, running out of gas, getting towed, or going to jail, I would definitely pick running out of gas first. If I had to pick the most likely one for you, I think I might pick jail. I don't know. I'm, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe a couple of years ago. Now I think, I think if I had to pick one for me, honestly, it would probably be getting towed. You mentioned the $18 beer, by the way, at the PGA. I mean, folks, don't be paying $18 for Michelob Ultra. I like Michelob Ultra. I do. That is my light beer of choice when it comes to, uh, you know, draft beer, you know, domestic beer, you know, you know those, those likes. Um, but don't pay 18 bucks for that. I mean, there are ways around this system, folks. I mean, bringing your own, sneaking in a flask. I mean, I get it that, Desperate times call for desperate measures sometimes, but there, there's better options than paying 18 bucks for a Michelob, right, Tom? Yeah, there's no way. And and I think a cocktail there is cheaper than a Michelob. I get it. It's a bigger can. But, you know, if I have to go sober to the PGA, 
uh, then you know what? I I will do that. I am not going to pay $18 for Michelob, not paying $20 for a double cocktail or a signature cocktail. It's not happening. No. Uh, I'll just I'll just you know, listen, I've been to a lot of a lot of early OSU games where the tailgating time would essentially be at at 9 a.m. And I've I've been drunk in Stillwater at at literally 8 30 in the morning. So, you know, I've prepped I've been prepped for this before. I've this is nothing new to me. And if it if it calls for me, uh, you know, if I want to drink and and maybe ride in a buzz at the PGA championship, then you know what? I will just go ahead and get drunk at eight o'clock in the morning. Right. Yeah. I mean, do it that way. That's, that's probably your, your best option is to pregame ahead of time. And how many people you think are going to be pregaming Tom in the ORU parking lot? That's going to happen, right? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it, it already has happened even in the practice rounds. And you know what, you know, if, if, uh, you know, people have a problem with it or, you know, it's, it's not necessarily an alcoholic thing to do. I'd say even, you know, when people say, well, it's too early for a drink. Well, you could say, you know what, I know a couple of nurses do that get off at seven in the morning. And at that time it's like they're 5 PM. So, you know, by eight in the morning, that's their time. They'd have a drink after work. So, you know, at that point, I, you know, I don't, they say it's five o'clock somewhere and that's cliche, but, uh, you know, I don't see a problem with it. People, they're like, well, you might as well go ahead and get your AA ticket now. And I'm like, well, you know what? If the beer wasn't $18, maybe I wouldn't have to. So one of the reasons why this is my favorite event to cover, and I'm very glad to have a credential for this, Tom, is uh, us media, and I- I'm not trying to brag, uh, by any means, but they take care of us. Uh, I will not be paying $18 for a Michelob once five o'clock hits anyway. They have like a happy hour, I think like five to seven, that they give the media free beer. And uh, back in St. Louis at the end of the tournament, they gave us all champagne and we'll have lunch and breakfast and all that covered. Uh, th- th- they'll go all out. They'll take care of us. I- I'm that's one of the draws for me of, of being back this weekend, not only coming home and being at Southern Hills and such, but knowing that uh, I'm going to get treated way better than I would in almost any sporting event. Comparably speaking, if I go cover an Oklahoma State basketball game, they're going to hand me popcorn and a Dr. Pepper and say, you want a meal? You should have ate before you came. So I will uh, gladly take uh, the, the nice luxuries that uh, the PGA is providing. Right, I'm sure. I'm sure you will. Um, I do have the all-inclusive for Friday and Saturday, which what does is all-inclusive mean? Not alcohol. Um, so it's not really all-inclusive then. Well, no, but it is all food and drink, other than beers and liquor. Um, and you know, at the time we're recording this uh, on a Tuesday night, I could be going. Um, in the morning, um, I could be going in the morning and doing the Wednesday practice round and literally have all inclusive, uh, alcohol, beer, you know, food, what have you. I could have all that tomorrow, but unfortunately I cannot get off work for it. And it's, 
And, you know, I didn't even ask off, but I just, I, you know, sometimes you don't ask when you already know the answer. It's kind of one of those things. Um, You're so you have Wi-Fi, basically. Well, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go in the morning. Um, and also the, the ticket that I was invited to, someone, I guess, carries you like around wherever you want to go on a golf cart all day. Ooh. Right. So it would be super nice. But, you know, unfortunately, I cannot make that. And uh, so I'm sure my friend will have a good time um, and I will be stuck in the office. But, you know, they are the ones that provided me the tickets to uh, just go to the tournament at all. So uh, I'm just happy to be there at this point. I think that's how we all feel. We're just happy to be there. This event wasn't even supposed to happen this year. We were supposed to see the PGA Championship in Tulsa in, what was it, 2030, possibly, or 2025, something like that? I mean. Yeah, 2025 sounds right. Yeah, and they bumped it up a couple of years, and they've done a phenomenal job. We're going to have a much more in-depth preview on this when Noda joins us coming up later on. But I got to say, too, Tom, we mentioned the $18 beer thing. Justin Thomas, JT. I've always liked Justin Thomas. Good guy. Um, the the one, I guess, run-in I, I had with him the when he was on the cover of the uh, 2K golf game, I said, hey, nothing against Justin Thomas. I like Justin Thomas, but that's like not an appeal at all, convincing me to buy the video game by putting on Justin Thomas on the video game. We want Tiger. We want Tiger Woods PGA, damn it. Anyways. <laughs> Um, Justin Thomas was a man of the people and talked about how outrageous it was, the $18 beer. So with that being said, Tom, um, I like JT, I always have, uh, but now since JT has publicly made those comments and declared himself a man of the people that way, now I will be rooting for Justin Thomas. He's earned my respect. We have pro Justin Thomas podcast for, for this weekend. Absolutely. Yes. He's I'm on the, first. He's on the good list. Like, I think that there are, you know, we'll, we'll be honest here. We're, you know, we're, we're, yes, we are part of the media, but we can be biased because why not? It's golf, damn it. You know, I mean, who cares? Um, our bias list this week, we'll, we'll go totally anti-establishment and give you the list of names that we're going to be biased and rooting for. Tiger, obviously, because, duh, Tiger. Um, <laughs> Ricky, Victor, uh, Matthew Wolf, anybody that's played golf at Oklahoma State, we want you to do well, of course. Um, those names, Gary Woodland, Kansas guy, add him to the list as well. And then Justin Thomas, man of the people, of course. Um, Dustin Johnson, I like his wife, Paulina, so we'll put DJ up there. Um you know, any names we're, we're missing that are on our on our good guy list that, that we're rooting for, Tom? You know, I can't, I can't really think of any um, off the top. It would be Phil Mickelson had he decided to show up. Like, uh, Phil, I don't care about this Saudi Arabia tour. Just play. Just play golf. Right. That's what I was thinking. But, you know, I would be him. I don't really think of another one that I can think off the top. I will be rooting for Brooks. Uh, and, you know, four years ago when Brooks won the PGA Championship and we were out there at Bell Reeve, I was disappointed because 
Brooks at that point in time was a different guy than he is now. Brooks did not have much personality. He didn't like to talk to the media and such. He was kind of shy. Now we've seen Brooks completely come out of his shell and he's very entertaining. He's had this nice back and forth with Bryson DeChambeau and Bryson DeChambeau is playing and he's turned into the, the villain of the sport and such. Look, Tiger's still the face of golf, but I love this Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau rivalry we got going. And I'm definitely team Brooks if you make me choose here, Tom. You know, I, I always talk trash on Brooks too. I don't care about Bryson DeChambeau. So I'd probably have to be team Brooks too, but for what it's worth, I hope neither of them win it. <laughs> okay. So since Tom you doesn't know, sign off, Brooks doesn't officially make our bias list. Trying to think who else I would. Um, um, there's one more I'm forgetting. Um, it probably would be, um, who is it? Colin. Um, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, probably him. I like Colin. Yeah. That would be my other pick. I, I enjoy watching him play. You know, there, there's only a couple of guys that are just unlikable. Um, you know, Bryson DeChambeau's made some enemies. Bubba Watson's made some enemies. Patrick Reed. But that's really all I can think of. I mean, for the most part, not only is the field of golf the most talented it's ever been, but it's the most likable, too. And – you know, Phil, he's going to make some enemies with this whole Saudi thing. But if Phil were playing this weekend, I'd be rooting for Phil. I'd want to see him do well. I have not lost any faith in Phil Mickelson over this whole Saudi Arabia deal. Like, I'm going to be – whenever he comes back, I'm going to be rooting for Phil again. I, I, he has not lost my trust. You know, Tiger Woods, they did everything they can – they could to try to cancel Tiger Woods – uh, we talk about cancel culture nowadays, and Tiger, it felt like he was canceled like five times, and he still comes back. I mean, Tiger can't be canceled. Right. No, I mean, he's, you know, it's just what it is. It's like trying to cancel Michael Jordan in basketball over something. Just not, you know, as much as, you know, it'd have to be something horrific, honestly. Right. Yeah. It'd have to be like killed 10 people or something. You know, it's you're not going to get away with canceling old Tiger Woods. So, no. but. so before we move on, talk NBA, Tom. Uh, let's make some picks uh, for this uh, PGA Championship. Let's let's each give two names. I'm going to ride with Dustin Johnson with Paulina right by his side, and Dustin Johnson's going to be my pick. Dustin won a major last year. He's as good as any golfer out there. I know a lot of people like Scotty Scheffler coming off the Masters win, the way that he's been playing, and he says Southern Hills is his favorite course in the world. I get the popular pick in Scotty Scheffler, uh, but I'm going to go with Dustin Johnson, and then my number two pick is going to be Mr. Consistency, John Rahm. Uh, John Rahm is so solid everywhere he goes. He's always contending. If I had to place any bet this weekend, it would be on a top 10 finish for John Rahm, and I think I'd be pretty rich by the end of the weekend, too. So, that's my top two is uh, is DJ and John Rom. Tom, give me your top two. I will take um, Colin Morikawa and I'll take Scotty Scheffler. Okay, two young guys and two recent major champions. Oh, you know, and and for what it's worth, I will. Uh, let's do one more. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you classic. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, 
And maybe, you know, this is going to be my wild card, but I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm going to say Tiger Woods. Ooh. Tiger Woods. He's 50 Tiger. to 1 odds right now. Tiger but says I, he can win this weekend. I don't think, I think he can. I don't think Tiger would be competing if he didn't feel he could do well. I, he shocked me in the Masters, and we're a month, a month and a week from that Masters, and he played well. Uh, it's one of those things. Like I think we're in for, I think we're in for a treat. I, I think there's a potential that we're in for a treat, Jones. Uh, give me Jordan Spieth as my third pick. Spieth's played a lot better as of late. He played really good last week at the Byron Nelson. I, I, I like Spieth. I think Spieth's going to be up there. So those are our three picks for this week. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, I'm so glad to have this event in Tulsa. And before we move on, talk NBA, I'll, I'll make this one note. Um, for Thomas and I, both of us, Tulsa is home. It is a special place that we are both proud to be from. And you know, Tulsa people are as nice and as good as they come. And our city is a unique place with, uh, you know, so many great people and things to do and, and eat and such. And um, you're not going to be bored, I think, this weekend. If you're making the trip out here to Tulsa, you will enjoy yourself and have a great time. And uh, I'm so proud of our city and what what this means and such. This is a big deal. And so – all eyes are on Tulsa this weekend. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. And Tulsa is going to be now uh, the record holder for most PGA championships ever held. The city of Tulsa at Southern Hills. How about that? Uh, fifth PGA championship ever there at a Southern Hills. So we'll move on. Let's talk about NBA. So, Tom, on a Tuesday night, the Heat pick up a 118-107 win over the Celtics. Jimmy Butler goes off for 41 points. He was just phenomenal in that game. And the Heat led that one for, I believe, start to finish. They looked really good in that game there. And, and you know, when you looked at this Heat team, Tom, you know, they played so well as a unit. And it was a different guy every night type of ordeal. And the way Jimmy Butler came out and was just slashing in game one – if, if this Jimmy Butler can come out a couple more times in this series and possibly the next series, watch out. I mean, th this is what we saw out of the Heat on Tuesday night was the Heat at their best. I think that was their best performance they've played this entire playoff. You think so? See, I, this, I watched it um, a little bit of it. The um, <clears throat> Excuse me. The Celtics were up um, early in the first and second. I think when I had, had, had um, kind of turned it off or when I'd left watching it, um, the Celtics were up by 11, and they were looking really good. They had the Pritchard guy off the bench working for them. And I don't think the Celtics are done yet, though. I still like the Celtics in the series, to be honest with you. Um, I think they still have a lot to left to prove. No Marcus Smart got injured in that game seven against Milwaukee. I think he's looking to be back. Um, you know, first game in Miami, I didn't expect the Celtics to win. I thought they put up a decent enough fight. Um, but yeah, credit to the heat though. They still played very well. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a good series. Um, you know, I think, I think the Celtics can pull it off. I don't know if they will, you know, 
it's Eric Spolster being that good of a coach. Um, we'll, we'll see. The Celtics have had their struggles in the playoffs as recently, and they've had the players to be competitive and to win, and they have not. Um, so we'll see how Marcus Smart, when he gets back, how good he is, you know, what happens on that front. But uh, I think we're in for a hell of a series. Yeah, we are. And, uh, you know, the, the heat with Jimmy Butler, he had never in his entire time in Miami has he had a 40-point regular season game. But in his time with the Heat, he's had five 40-point playoff games. And for all that's said about Jimmy Butler, for as much heat, no pun intended, uh-huh. this guy gets – um he steps up in crunch time. He is great in the playoffs. And we saw that in game one. And, you know, he was the first player this postseason with 40 points and four steals in multiple games. Um, credit where credit's due. I mean, I, I feel like the media has been hard on Jimmy Butler for quite some time. And when push comes to shove, this guy steps up. And this Heat team, they're, they're so well collectively. But Jimmy Butler – don't sleep on what he can do. I mean, he, he can still be that that guy, that number one option. And I think that doesn't get said enough, Tom. No, I, and I, I think he knows it too. And what do we talk – we've talked about the whole playoffs that the Heat kind of like to go um, under the radar. And and they have been under the radar. And, and you know, so far it's, it's worked out for uh, Jimmy Butler in the Heat. I, I think they'll continue on – kind of on that path of, hey, you know what? We don't care if you believe in us or not. We're going to keep doing what we want to do. And and it's worked out for them so far, and, and they've just played their game. They haven't been – you know, a lot of teams can get shook, and they haven't been shook at all. No, not one bit. Uh, the Celtics, they lose game one, but, you know, th- this Celtics team has been on a tear heading into this game. Not a bad loss losing to Miami game one. and uh, you know, you're just hoping to split those games in Miami to, to head back to Boston with home court if you can. But for me, with, with Boston, Tom, it's all about Jason Tatum, what he has done to elevate his game this season. Uh, you know, just J- Jason Tatum was great early in his career. Those first couple of years, people said, okay, wow, the Celtics got a really good player here. And then, you know, he, he kind of plateaued. He, he wasn't improving. He kind of just settled down. But then this season we've seen, and in this playoffs, Jason Tatum really take that next step, really to elevate his game. And I think this playoffs have shown why, Tom, Jason Tatum's a top five player in this league. I think so. And, and he's been reliable and he's, he's had so many good games. Uh, he hasn't really – I haven't really – don't can't remember one so far this postseason where I was like, oh, Jason Tatum could have had a better game and maybe the Celtics would have won. We haven't got really any of those from him. Uh, he's been fairly consistent this whole time. Um, and, and, you know, for the most part, he has been the reason that the Celtics have, have won these games. Yeah, he has. He's been great. And uh, without Marcus Smart uh, for a while, Marcus Smart's has been the staple of this team defensively and been the heart and soul of, you know, that, that defense there in Boston for a long time now. You know, Marcus Smart's been there a minute and such. I wonder, Tom, 
how do the Celtics adjust accordingly without Marcus Smart? Can they win without Marcus Smart? I don't think so. Can they win the series without him? No, I think that's what I'm saying. To, yeah, they're going to have to figure out ways to to get him back to to have a chance in the series, and I think it has to be. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they can go down to zero. I mean, they sure they could, um, but I, I think that's the last thing they want to do. And I think, you know, being the I, I feel like we talk about him being the defensive player of the year and, and he doesn't get enough kind of respect um, or we, we call him kind of like a poor man's defensive player of the year just because he hasn't, you know, been a standout like some of the other defensive players of the year. Uh, in the past, like a Kawhi or, you know, I, I guess, you know, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy Gobert has had his dues. Because his, he's not an all-star player. Right. 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 And so, you know, when we, when we think of a, a defensive player of the year, we're looking for some more like star talent, I'd say. Um, but no knock on Marcus. Obviously I'm, I'm a huge fan um, and root for him because of Oklahoma state and, um, you know, I call, I said it at the beginning, I thought the Celtics would make the finals. I still think they will. Um, if Marcus Smart doesn't play this whole series, though, and pulls a book, Ben Simmons or something like that and doesn't play, um, I, I think you're looking at the heat going back uh, to the NBA finals. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And uh, you know, it should be fun to see how, how it all plays out in that series as we transition to the Warriors and their series as uh, they are set to take on the Dallas Mavericks. Let me ask you this as a bridge between the two series, Tom. More surprising, the Suns or the Bucks, the two teams that were in the finals last year, each of them don't make the conference finals. Which was a bigger shock, that the team that did not make the conference finals between those two? I think it's, I think it's the Suns, honestly. Uh, you know, we talked about so much about Chris Paul, how well he was playing, and then we – He's playing like crap. I said it last week. I figured he would bounce back and didn't actually play terrible. I think I think maybe I – mean, that, that game seven for him and the Phoenix Suns was – and this is not hyperbole. That was the worst game seven performance I have ever seen, ever, especially from a team that was – the number one seed in the defending champ. Yeah, it was it was by far the worst that I've seen in a while. Um, that I that I really that I can recall. Um, and you know, I think it's it's even more shocking when you when you realize that hey, Monty Williams was the coach of the year. Um, you know, they seem like they had it in place. You know, Devin Booker. You know, the Pelicans gave him a hell of a series, and then Devin Booker comes back and they pull that one off. Um, and so I think it's even more shocking that they that that game seven ended up like that. And and just watching that, you could you could tell. And and we kind of knew some rumors about about DeAndre Ayton and how he you know was unhappy supposedly or is unhappy, um, and and might not. He, I, from what I understand, he wants the max, and it's it's kind of been said that he's not going to get it. Um, and so I could see Aiden leaving that whole game. Jones uh, just felt like the sun's window was shut and partially due to the ass kicking they took, but partially because they just flat out lost that game. And 
I think just the way the cookie crumbles and free agency and just player movement, I think they're I think their window's gone. I think so too. I don't even blame Monty Williams. It's not his fault that his players didn't step up. It doesn't matter what type of game plan you have if your players don't show up to play. So uh, just a very disappointing performance, to say the least, with the Phoenix Suns. They are much more disappointing than uh, I think the the Bucs, uh, you know, the Bucs ran into a buzzsaw in the Celtics, which I think the Celtics are a better team than the Magic. Speaking of – than the Mavs. Speaking of which, the Mavs uh, taking on the Warriors. Uh, Luka was incredible this past series. You know, he's back. He's fully healthy. He's playing good. The Warriors – now are the veteran team of the four remaining. They are not the young kids anymore. These are the adults in the room. And the Warriors, their three-point shooting, I mean, this team is just going to be way too much for the Mavs, I think. The Mavs have overachieved to get to this point. Luka's been great, but he doesn't have much help around him. I mean, think about this. Here's, here's the way to, I would put this into perspective, Tom, comparing these two teams. If you're going to buy a jersey of a Golden State Warriors player, you have at least three options, right? And Clay, Steph, Draymond. The Mavs, you got one. You got Luka. You're not buying a Jalen Brunson jersey. I'm sorry. That's not happening. The Warriors are just way more talented than this Mavs team is, and I think they'll get it done in about five or six games. Yeah, they've good. Um, I'm not going to count out Luca though. I'm not going to count out that they'll give him a series. I think they will. I'm going to say Warriors in six. Um, I, I think that after that, that, that uh, you know, the Mavs had against – sorry, against the Suns, I, uh, I think that's going to give them some life, and I don't think they're going to back down. I, I, I honestly think – I'm very shocked by this, that Jason Kidd kind of has this team fighting – and it's a li- I think a lot of it has to do with just the swagger that Luca has brought to the team. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie has played phenomenal, uh, way better than he ever did for the Nets. And I think a lot of, a, I just, I think a lot of you, you know, we talked about early on the uh, Jalen Brunson's, you know, it's, it's, it's been a player that has stepped up for the Mavs. If it's not Luca, then there's the, always another one. Um, who? I mean, they have some other bigs. They have like Dwight Powell that's played pretty solid. Uh, I, I just think all around the Mavs have have kind of somewhat figured it out. I do think their luck runs out eventually, but I I do think they're going to give the Warriors all they can handle. I, I think Jason Kidd weirdly has this team fighting like I like, and the, the the Jones. The weirdest part about it is I would have expected some fight like this out of a Rick Carlisle team. Right. Jason Kidd's doing a good job. He is. Um, Last thing on the playoffs, and then we'll move on, talk draft lottery real quick. Um, On the uh, playoff front, I hate to say it, but of the four teams remaining, I think Golden State's the best one. I think Golden State's the favorites to win it all at this point. I think uh, that they'll likely win this championship as much as it pains me to say of these four, they're the best ones left. Tom, who's the best team left? I think it's Warriors, but I'm going to stick with my original pick. If Marcus Smart comes back next game um, or even in game three, I'm going to still ride with the Celtics. I do agree that Golden State's the best team, um, just sheer talent-wise. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I'll stick with uh, – I will stick with the Celtics. 
Draft lottery, uh, the Magic get the number one pick, and the uh, Thunder end up at number two. They also have the number 12 pick. Uh, I'm excited for my Thunder for the position they're in with uh, those draft picks. And quite frankly, Tom, uh, I'm not a big fan of Chet Holmgren, personally. I, I, I don't know how well his game's going to translate. Um, I would have told you this before the Thunder locked up the number two pick, if if number one's going to take Chet Holmgren, fine. I like Pablo Benchero. Uh, Pablo Benchero is my favorite player in this draft. I would take him number one. So if you're the Thunder and Chet's going to go number one to Orlando, fine. You're still going to get the best player in this draft at number two. That's okay. I, I, I think the Thunder at the end of the day, as long as Chet goes one like we anticipate, they're going to be just fine with Benchero at number two. I think they're the winners of this, the real winners of this lottery here. Could be. I'm not a fan of, of Holmgren either. I think he's too small. You know, I've been wrong before. I've been wrong multiple times. But I, I to me, I just don't see I, – I don't see um, – He doesn't look like an NBA player. Look at his face even. Right. No, he looks like uh, – who's, who's the other Thunder man that plays on the Thunder? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. The I can't think of his name. The other tall, skinny guy. Oh yes, uh, Josh Giddy. No, not Giddy. It's um. Oh, I can't think of his name. I remember the first time I saw him. He's a lanky, uh, kind of a taller. Oh, Poku. Yes. Yeah, he's. That's who Holmgren reminds me of. Just his his build. <laughs> yes. Put on muscle, and it's not to say that he's a good, not a good player, but uh, you know, I I think to be honest with you, I would take Jabari um, or or Bancaro over over Holmgren. You know, I guess you know we might be wrong. We might listen to this five years from now, and and you know, old take exposed, but I don't think we will. No, and and the magic, Tom. Like it feels like they're the. Detroit Lions of the NBA. They're always in this spot and always making the wrong pick. Chet Holmgren, for me, feels like a pick the Magic would make and regret it later. Right. And, and you know, it is it is fair to say that they might not take Holmgren. Hell, they might take Van Caro. Uh, you know, we'll see. There's still a month left to go. A lot of things could change. Um you know, I, but you're right. I mean, the, uh, the Thunder will have kind of their pick. And, and I think if you're the Thunder, you hope that Orlando does pick Van Caro. It, you know what it reminds me of? The last time this franchise had the number two pick, the Blazers took Greg Oden and the Seattle Supersonics took Kevin Durant. So uh, how'd that work out? Now the Thunder find themselves back with the number two pick. Something interesting for sure. Coming up next, we are going to be joined by Nota Begay. We'll talk more about the PGA Championship with him and uh, also see what Nota's up to. Great conversation coming up on the other side. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix, our Big 12 breakdown, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week. More to come. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is – one of my favorite guys in, in all of golf, and he's making his debut on the show, and we're so glad to have him here. It is Nota Begay. 
you can see him covering golf for NBC and the Golf Channel and also uh, still playing from time to time. He was on the PGA Tour, of course, and he joins us right now from Southern Hills in Tulsa. Nona, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. How's the uh, scene there in uh, Tulsa? Well, great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. The scene in Tulsa is awesome. Uh, what a classic golf course. Um, one of the older designs had some. Uh, renovations done over the last few years to sort of just kind of upgrade to what we would call modern standards to be able to accommodate uh, the caliber of play that the PGA Tour players um, per uh, put out we you know week in week out uh, so it, it's going to be a great week it's going to be tough the course is a quite a test yeah and uh, Noda I, I gotta ask you before we dive too much into What's going there on there at Southern Hills with PGA and such? What have you been up to, man? Tell me about uh, what's going on in, in your world these days uh, with the TV side and still golfing, I imagine, a lot as well. Yeah, well, I turned 50 in September, and I'm eligible for the PGA Tour champion. So I've been the last uh, about 12 months, I've really been working hard on my game, uh, trying to just kind of get ready to be competitive again. It's not the, the casual round of golf anymore. I'm actually training quite a bit. Um, dropped about uh, 10 to 12 pounds in, in the last six months, just trying to just get a little uh, more fit, uh, ready to uh, compete again. Uh, television's been great. A foundation, MB3 Foundation work. Uh, we had some strong cross-country programs. Uh, we just finished our track and field season, running golf and um, uh, a multi-sports camp this summer. So still trying to provide uh, great services to Native youth out there uh, across Indian country. And uh, just enjoying being a dad and uh, hanging out with my kids and watching them play sports. That's uh, terrific. Uh, Nona, tell me uh, about uh, this weekend at uh, Southern Hills. Uh, I mean, we, it seems like we don't get a whole lot of, you know, big time golf events in uh, the heartland. You know, I mean, it, it was, gosh, I was there in St. Louis in 2018, but th these type of things don't happen very often. Southern Hills has been since 2008. Yeah, it's it's actually become a, a very popular venue uh, for major championship golf. You know, 2007 Tiger won the PJ Championship. 2001 I played in the US Open at Southern Hills and uh, Southern Hills has actually hosted the PGA Championship five times which is um, the most of any venue uh, in America so uh, they find it to be very accommodating and now with modern standards for hosting golf tournaments you have to have a huge footprint for all of the the gallery stands and the concessions and the parking and the busing and it's it's quite quite an operations nightmare if you're putting one of these things on and southern hills has a lot of real estate out there i know they've got a couple golf courses and we're, we're parking on the alternate golf course where our tv compound is and uh, just in the last five or six years the television compounds have almost doubled in size because of streaming because of of more providers now interested in covering golf because sports is is such a dynamic um category to cover because a lot of people don't want to watch sports recorded they want to watch it live so um, any sort of live broadcast of of any major sport is, is a very valuable quantity um in the streaming universe yeah certainly certainly is and uh with nbc and the uh golf channel you've been 
uh, working there for quite some time. Uh, how's that been and the on-course experience of uh, going from hole to hole and such? Uh, tell me about it, what, what it's like on the TV side for you. How fun is that? Well, broadcast television, I mean, the highest you can really go is, is having a network job. And, and I have, you know, there's only six jobs with what I do. I'm, I'm basically classified as a walking reporter. So I'm actually out and on the golf course covering the groups, um, gotten to see some historical events uh, in, in, you know, throughout history, some of Tiger's big wins, uh, Jordan Spieth's big wins. Um, and you're right there you know, 10 feet away from, from these players when they're sort of going through these, uh, these events. And it's just a, a great experience. To, if you're not playing, it's kind of the second best place to be. Uh, I do miss playing, but certainly uh, television is, is not a, is actually a pretty good option for me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Noda, who are some of the, uh, the names you're following? What comes to mind right away of some of those early contenders that, that caught your attention for this weekend at Southern Hills there? Well, I think you got to look at, at three key players in terms of that top tier. you got to look at John Rahm, who, uh, you know, there's a, a percentage of greens called greens and regulation statistic. It's the number of greens that you hit per round. And uh, he's number one on the PGA Tour in that statistic. And I think that's going to be a really uh, key thing for him. Jordan Spieth has been playing great. Um, has a win and a second place in his last few starts. And then Scotty Scheffler, the number one ranked player in the world, went through a six-week period where he won four tournaments and ascended to number one in the world and won the Masters. And so he is, uh, I think, someone that you got to look at. And sort of in that middle tier of players, I would put guys like Tiger. I had a great conversation with Tiger when he was working on his putting this afternoon. And uh, I try and get, get out there and catch up when I can. And, you know, we go back uh, almost 40 years now as friends. And so get a good chance to sort of just see how he's feeling. Putting stroke looked great. And, um, you know, ball striking and swing looked good. Now, showed some fatigue in the masters with that right leg played pretty solid for 36 holes but unfortunately um tournament golf is 72 holes so we'll see how deep into the tournament he can get and still maintain um strength in that right leg uh but you know that's kind of who who i'm really taking a close look at um as we head into the start of the this pga championship let's start with tiger since you uh brought him up there uh tiger he said uh, earlier that he thinks he can win this weekend and uh, just the progress that he's made. I, I know that he won't tell you that he's going for any moral victories of some sorts, but just the fact that he's even out here is such a huge accomplishment. I I, I love Tiger Nota. I'm just happy to see him out there again. Yeah, you're in a very popular category where <laughs> people are just happy to see the guy out on the golf course hitting golf shots, but him being out here isn't uh, an accomplishment for him. He's out here to win, he's out here to compete, and I know people might, some people out there might think that's crazy, but what I saw this week so far, I mean, he's moving better, um, stability in that right leg, it looks a little bit improved. Uh, he told me today that he's feeling better. So just a lot of real positives, considering that when I saw him at the PNC Championship and, and we had a chance to visit, it was the first time I had seen him um, since COVID, uh, but also since the accident and he was struggling he was struggling to to walk 
um, you know, 30, 40 yards. And to, to go from that point to where we're at today is quite remarkable. And I, I do think he does have a chance to win this week. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I would, I would love to see Tiger compete at a high level and, and uh, do so well there. What about uh, Ricky Fowler? I know that he hasn't played great, but uh, you know, this, of course, he's familiar with an Oklahoma state grad and such. And I imagine uh, he'll have kind of a home field presence of sorts. He and a lot of those Oklahoma state golfers coming to Southern Hills. Yeah. There's three that come to mind. There's Ricky Fowler. There's uh, Victor Hovland and Taylor Gooch. I think they're going to be very popular this week. I think you're going to see a lot of that OSU orange and black out on the golf course. And for good reason. I mean, uh, you know, we're we're right near Stillwater, and a lot of um, OSU uh, supporters in the area, and that's gonna. I think it's just gonna create a great energy. I I would love to see Ricky contend and play well. He finished um, eighth in this event last year, which is his best finish in quite some time, and it's really the only reason he is eligible to play this week uh, because he's not fallen outside the top hundred in the world, but. I think that with with his attitude and, and his his skill level, um, you know, he's just got to get through this adversity that he's dealing with and, and find some some solid ground and shoot start shooting some consistent scores. And I think that once that happens, you'll start to see him turn the corner. Yeah, I hope so. It would, would be great to see. And uh, Ricky, of course, he he's native as well and such, and, and has been a guy that's made such a big impact on, on his community uh, off the course, it seems as well, Nota. Yeah, he's um, a quarter Navajo, Navajo Nation. So uh, that's where, you know, I'm registered um, there at Navajo as well. And we had a good time. We worked on the uh, Netflix series, Basketball or Nothing, together. Uh, we were both the executive producers in that series, which uh, focused on Chin Lee, uh, high school, the Wildcats out there, and just followed them for a season, and just kind of chronicled different aspects of the community and the team, and uh, their their attempt to to win a state championship there in Arizona. And uh, really cares deeply about Indian Country. Ricky does wants to know more, wants to learn more. Uh, his grandma, uh, who is uh, the Navajo in the family. Uh, you know, speaks fluent Navajo and has, has really done as much as she can to kind of continue to uh, teach him his traditions and uh, his ancestral roots, which I, I think is great. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly so. That's uh, that's great to see and and uh, carry on that legacy on that front there. Uh, we've gotten this far without talking about the guy that's not there, uh, Phil Mickelson. Uh, what do you make <laughs> of, of that situation with uh, Phil not being involved, uh, the defending champ uh, not participating? It's unfortunate. I, I, I think Phil has always been great for golf, and I think he just you know made some some pretty big mistakes in, in terms of um, how he's approached his relationship with this uh, Saudi Arabian uh, golf tour venture. And um, you know I don't think he should be crucified for it. I, I think that golf is better with Phil Mickelson in it, and he, he's just not comfortable sort of with. Um, coming back at this point you know phil has always been revered and loved by the public and i think it's hard for athletes when you lose a part of that and a big portion of his fan base is kind of questioning his decision making as of late 
Um, and sometimes it's tough for athletes to sort of feel comfortable in, in, in the, that athletic space when the, the fans that were supporting them unconditionally um, are now not lending that same support. Yeah, uh, I love Phil Mickelson. You know, I, I wish he was out there. And now this is two majors uh, that he's missed in a row. Do you think we'll see Phil Mickelson at all this year, Nona? Well, that, that just kind of tells you just how, how bad he feels and just kind of how strong his reaction has been to this whole controversy, so to speak, is that, you know, nobody loves the Masters more than Phil Mickelson. And for him to skip that event just kind of tells you just how tough things are. And he's the defending champion this week. He became the oldest player in the history of golf to win a major championship last year when he won this event at, uh, on Kiowa Island. And he doesn't come back. I mean, that that's, that's just a clear indication of just, you know, how un- unstable, um, you know, his life has become at, in recent months yeah it's a it's a great point we're talking to nota begay here on the jones sport this week as we look ahead to the pga championship there in tulsa the pairings are out nota what uh what stands out to you from what you've seen of these early pairings for thursday and friday uh the mcelroy woods grouping i think is just gonna be so fun to watch um you know five or six years ago would have been a fun pairing grouping to watch but now with Tiger not having sort of the, the pop in the bat that he he had created so much success with in early in his career. To mind you, you know, his ball speed's still over 180, which, you know, 180 miles per hour, which is very strong. But he's he's certainly not going to be hitting it up with Rory, who, who's in that, you know, in that high 180, 190 ball speed zone. So. Uh, but nonetheless, that that's going to be one huge gallery out following that group. Yeah, that, that'll be a group, uh, fun group to follow uh, for sure. Uh, now, when I, I look at the the sport of golf right now, Nota, you know, obviously Tiger's still the face of the sport, but there's so much talent. I mean, how many guys can can win this weekend? Is it is it a high number? How many realistically you think can contend on Sunday? I think it's a higher number than normal. I, I typically would go to into the Masters. You know, the Masters is very, there's only a small number, uh, around a dozen players that can win that tournament every year just because the requirements to win that are, are, are very demanding. Uh, I think it's more maybe two dozen players. Uh, you know, 20, 24, 25 players have a realistic chance of, of holding up the Wanamaker Trophy uh, at the end of the week. I mean, you 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 you've got to throw guys in there like you know Victor Hovland, along with the names that I mentioned, the Roms, the Spees, the Tiger Woods, uh, the Scotty Schefflers. Uh, you got to throw the Justin Thomases. Uh, Xander Schauffele just shot 61 on Sunday last week in the final round of the AT&T Byron Nelson. Uh, so you you have a number of players that are really trending in, in that in that right direction. Uh, Sam Burns has won three times this year. He's very familiar with these Bermuda grasses that um, are, are, are part of, of the layout here at Southern Hills. So, you know, there's a number of high-quality players you could really throw in there and make a strong case for. Yeah, uh, there, there certainly is. Uh, I, I love it. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how it all plays out coming up. Uh, this weekend there at uh, Southern Hills. 
This uh, course been redesigned from the last time that we saw Southern Hills host uh, back in the uh, 2000s there. Nota, is the difficulty, is it is it harder? Is it about the same? What's the difficulty, comparatively speaking, to uh, what we, we're used to seeing in Southern Hills? Well, so much of scoring is, is predicated on weather. Um, you can make a golf course as, as hard as you like, but if it gets rain and it gets soft, the PJ Tour players will just rip it up. But um, there's not a whole lot of rain in the forecast, so I predict that it's going to be a, a long and, and challenging test. Now, the differences that you're going to see compared to when Tiger won in 2007 is a little bit more width off the tee, so the fairways are a little bit wider. Um, some of the holes have been lengthened, and that's just sort of what a lot of courses have had to do in the last five or ten years is to sort of modernize it for the the modern game i mean players at this level are stronger they're faster they're hitting it straighter they're hitting it further and consequently you just you gotta uh, make the golf course a little bit more challenging just to make to just 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 so that at the end of the week you have truly identified the player that has played the best yeah that's a that's a great point uh that's certainly uh, gonna be a lot of fun to watch uh, to see how that uh, all unfolds on uh, that front there. Nota, we got a little bit of time left with you before uh, you got to run here. So I'm sure the people want to know, with you mentioned in your history with Tiger and such, what's your favorite Tiger story? Something uh, between you two about interpersonal <laughs> interactions and such. Oh, we've got we've had so much fun over the years. I I think that, you know, one of, one of our fa- my favorite moments is, you know, we – he was the first African-American player, and I was the first Native American player to represent the United States on what's called the Walker Cup team, which is the 10 best amateur golfers in the U.S. And we were selected for the team. We had to play an away game in Wales in, in uh, at a golf course called Royal Porthcall in Wales. And just spending that entire week traveling together and uh, you know being on the Stanford team, but also sort of having kind of different team experience together is something that we look back on and we laugh and we just have a great time because uh, it's one of those unique experiences that number one you have to earn to get on these on these teams but secondly give you just lifelong memories and and not just tiger myself but a handful of other players that were on that team we still sort of stay in touch and um, try and keep our friendships going that's terrific. Uh, Nona, where could people uh, see your work uh, on NBC this weekend? And then also uh, plug the, uh, the Netflix uh, uh, series that you have there with, uh, with Ricky Fowler. Yeah, it's called Basketball or Nothing. So if you just go on to Netflix and search Basketball or Nothing, I believe we have eight episodes, and it was filmed right there uh, in Chin Lee uh, on the Navajo Reservation. And, um, uh, you know, won a couple of, of awards. We were nominated for an Emmy. Uh, we ended up losing to Michael Jordan's The Last Dance, which, uh, you know, it was, it was tough to lose. But if you're going to lose, <laughs> you know, losing to Jordan ain't, ain't a bad thing. Uh, and, and my coverage this week is very limited. Uh, it's a CBS broadcast, so they've got their broadcast team here. I am here with the Golf Channel uh, doing their studio shows. Uh, it's called Live from the PGA. And I'll, I'll be on tomorrow from um, uh, 9 to noon Eastern time. 
just talking about the news, talking about players, and, and just kind of getting people up to speed on on what they're going to see uh, over the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday rounds. And uh, you guys will have coverage of the uh, the next two majors, I believe, right? That's right. Yeah, you'll see me and I'll, you'll hear me um, on air uh, at the U.S. Open at the Country Club in Massachusetts. And then we'll head straight over a few weeks later to the Open Championship at the home of golf, St. Andrews, which is one of the most uh, historical and spectacular places if you're a golf geek like me. <laughs> Man, I'm jealous. Uh, sounds like you're going to have a great uh, next couple months ahead. Nona, we appreciate the time so much. Uh, thanks for joining us, and make sure to follow this guy, all his great work. Uh, the Netflix documentary with Ricky Fowler there, as well as the uh, Golf Channel coverage and with uh, NBC as well. He's all over the place. Nona, looking forward to seeing you this weekend in Tulsa. Enjoy it. We'll talk again soon. Uh, thanks for having me. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. You can also reach out to Bo by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. It's brian with a Y, dot O'Connor at lpl.com. O'Connor Advisory Group also on Facebook, and you can check out the Coach Bono's podcast out each and every Monday and Friday on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing this week? Doing all right. How are you today? I am always good, Bo, and especially good to uh, see your face. Uh, we're going to hear from you in just a bit as well for the second edition of draft season as we'll be drafting our favorite fast food menu items. But Let's get to the business of the day first. What's going on at OAG, Bo? Hey, we are, uh, you know, come off. Tax time is finished up. So most of those folks who had some stuff to do is, uh, is, is done. Right now, we're working people who are changing jobs, people who have maybe changed jobs in the last year. You got an old 401k. You're thinking about dipping into it. You're thinking about what should I do? Let us help you with that. Let us talk to you about some of the ramifications of that. Uh, we just had someone actually, we saved them $150,000 in taxes by them making any decisions they made where they were able to take some money from their account and use their account in a way they didn't realize they could. Saved him $150,000 last week. So we'd love to chat with you about that. We want to be your partner. Whenever you've got questions or concerns, anything financial, hit us up. You can go to oagks.com. That's great. OHGcast.com for more information. All right, Bo. So I have a, a little theory on this schedule, and I'm curious what you think about this. So for the longest time, we had heard that ESPN was at odds with the NFL. The NFL intentionally wasn't giving them great schedules, and that was a point of contention, right? And then this year, the Monday Night Football booth gets announced, you know, a month or so ago that it's going to be Joe Buck and Troy Eggman. They're going to revitalize Monday Night Football. Now, what do you know? Coincidentally, this is the best Monday Night Football schedule in years. Yeah. Amazon, which we heard, oh, their games aren't going to be as good this year because Fox was moving over some of their Sunday games to Thursday night to be in primetime. They get Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. They got a pretty actually good game lineup and such. 
uh, Sunday Night Football, the, the AFC and the NFC packages on, on CBS and Fox, those are always going to be good. I don't find that a coincidence that uh, we're seeing these networks get better games and better schedules this year. This is why all these announcers are getting all these money, all this money for better games. Well, you, you have these two companies, especially what Amazon just did and what ESPN just did and with their rights. ESPN pays a humongous rights fee because it's not just the rights to Monday Night Football. It's all the stuff they do throughout the week at ESPN. The highlights. And I think, ESPN, right. and I think that ESPN just said, hey, if you're not going to partner with us, if you're not going to be a good partner and quit giving us these games, we're not going to do this at all. And I think that there was no – you know, second uh, company going to give them that money for Monday Night Football. I think that the NFL had to send the olive branch of giving them better games. I think that it was important to give Amazon good games too, with being the first year of Thursday Night Football. Make it to where it's a destination. They got to make Monday Night a destination. You know, Fox and CBS's, you know, games of the week are always going to be highly rated. You're always going to be able to move those games around a little bit. If you need to move a game to 315 instead of noon, you can do that. Um, it happens all season. That's pretty simple. And usually you can get a you know late season divisional game moved from you know 12 to 3. It's going to be better for you if you're Fox or if you're CBS. So I get that. Um, it's harder to move on the Monday night football from a different day with all the stuff you have to do. So it, I think ESPN kind of owed it to them. I mean, I think the NFL owed it to ESPN. And then I just think that the Amazon thing, there was too much money involved. And with it being a new partnership, you better give them some values. They gave them some good games. Yeah. Uh, Of the schedule, what stands out to you? What games are you looking forward to in 2022? Um, You know, I honestly haven't looked deeply at the games. I didn't really get into this whole – to me, it was kind of a non-issue of, okay, here's the games and here's the schedule. Um, I looked – let me pull up some stuff here. I mean, I, I obviously want to see the opening weekend. Uh, there's big games in the opening weekend. Uh, we have the first Thursday night game. Let me get it here. It's, uh, you know, the Rams and the Bills, you know, first week. Uh, then you have that Denver-Seattle game on the first Monday night game of the season. They go, they hit some of the storylines early. You know, Russ going back to Seattle. You know, Buffalo, who's the, you know, the Vegas favorite, playing the defending champs on Thursday night. Uh, the, the Thursday night, uh, the first Sunday night game, of course, you throw Tom Brady in there. And the Cowboys, yeah. Against the Cowboys. I mean, that's going to be a big, that's going to be a big time game. Um, you go into that, I mean, you think about those things. And then week two, they wanted to do division games on, on um, Amazon. And week two, that's a pretty phenomenal division game to have Chargers Chiefs week two. And then the what did surprise me was the week two ESPN doubleheader. Yeah. Well, they're only going to be like an hour apart. Right. One starting, it's like central time, it's 6.15 and 7.30. And both games are on the East Coast. One's in Buffalo, one's in Philly. So that kind of surprised me. I thought if you're going to do that doubleheader, you do the the early game, be an East Coast game, late game, be a West Coast game, start them a couple hours apart. Uh, That'll be interesting to me to see what happens there, but... They, they, the NFL was quick to get the storylines out quick. You know, Russ going back, um, you know, Von Miller going to Buffalo, you know, the Chiefs and the Chargers, the Chargers being the kind of the newest contender in the West, get that in the schedule in the docket early. 
there, there's things like that that I think are pretty good. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, it's going to be interesting all around. Here's my old man get off my lawn rant when it comes to this schedule. Um, and Bo, I would be surprised if you don't agree with me on this, actually. Um, when I look through that schedule of the national games, why the hell are the New York Giants getting so much national TV? I mean, like, the New York Giants have not been relevant in a decade. And, and like, even for a New York New York team, it's not like that they have that much pizzazz and it's not like we talk about the Giants all the time either. You know, what? what is the deal? The New York Giants? Like, yeah. that, that to me, I, I, I don't understand the love with the Giants. You know, I, I get it with the Cowboys or, you know, some of the historic franchises like the Niners, the Steelers, the Packers, but the Giants? Well, I think it's – I don't disagree with you at all. They have a Monday night game. It's week three. They have one of the Thursday games. Did you see what those two games have in common? It's with the Cowboys, right? They're playing the Cowboys. Playing yeah, the Cowboys. Cowboys on Thanksgiving, right. So it's more of a – yeah, the Cowboys on Thanksgiving and the Monday night game. It's more about, in that case, hey, it's the Cowboys, and you either like the Cowboys or you hate the Cowboys. And if they're playing the Giants, at least you, know you get that big market. Right. You know, I, I there's Giants fans in New York. I mean, there's more Giants fans than Jets fans, but – I agree with you. I'm not a big believer in this. I do think some of these like 330 games we're going to see, the Giants have a couple of them. They're not going to be the spotlight game. You know, the Giants on Fox, I guess Tennessee week one is not going to be the spotlight game at 325. Right. That's going to get moved off. I mean, those are the kind of things. Um, you know, they got some TVDs on times on here. They're going to get moved to the morning games. They're not going to be as good. Uh, they do have to do – one of the early games, which is, I think, one of the international games, the Giants play the Packers. Yeah. So I see that's week five. So I also was curious to see how many games were going to be international, and we did quite a few this year. Yes. And it's just a matter of time, isn't it, till they move the Jacksonville Jaguars to London? I would think. I mean, that's that's the whole goal. I think that's been the cons family goal the whole time. Right. Is they move that team to London? I mean, that's yeah. I think the London Jaguars are a different kind of name at some point. So, yeah, you know the the, the schedule to me. I don't get into this like it's great TV, and the NFL is a really really great TV product. No matter what it is, whether it's this and this proves it. The release of a schedule four or five months in advance should be kind of a no-brainer. It shouldn't be this big a deal. It shouldn't be worthy of television. But we're so caught up in football, in the NFL in this country, that it's the most dominating thing on all of television, oh, yeah. all of streaming. They, and so it's they released the schedule ball at the exact halfway point of when football season ended to when it begins. Mm-hmm. That's not a coincidence. No. No, and their ratings for that show on ESPN did better than in, in playoff basketball. Right. And what does that tell you of any baseball game so far this year? And we already knew the opponents, too. And we knew the opponents already. Here's the one thing that does get me excited when the schedule comes out. And this is just me in particular. I'm sure there's other people that do something similar. I grab the New Orleans Saints schedule. I grab the LSU football schedule. And I say, okay, which weekends are they both at home? 
was I'm going to make at least one road trip. And usually there's either two, one or two weekends where both of them have home games. There's four this year. So there'll be at least one road trip, maybe multiple ones this year for me. All right. Don't get too, too, uh, don't drink too much after that LSU game. Still got to get to New Orleans, you know. Yeah, but you know, we can make that work. Okay. Good, good, good. Uh, Deshaun Watson meeting with the NFL in Texas, uh, according to, uh, you know, Adam Schefter and, you know, his sources and such, uh, your favorite guy, Adam there. Um, you know, when I, when I hear about these meetings happening, Bo, I, I had this thought. The NFL doesn't call the meeting unless they have something there. They don't call the meeting just to, you know, have tea and coffee and just see how you're doing. The, the NFL, I, I would guess they're closing in on a decision one way or the other. I would think so. They're trying to get a statement and then trying to get ready to do damage control because no matter what the NFL does with Deshaun Watson, it's not going to be the right answer. Right. And I think that this is more of, okay, well, give us your statement. Here's what we're going to ask. And then from there, they're going to say, how do we do damage control? And that's what it's going to be all be about. The shame of the whole thing is that in six months, this will all be done. Yeah. And no one's going to care anymore. Now, I say the shame of that is because there's 22 women out there who, you know, and we can all get into that. I don't want to do that. That's not the time or the place. That's my podcast. You can do that over there. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that this week. But I think that you look at that and you go, okay, well, yeah, there's a bigger picture. It's to me an issue of how the NFL runs things, you know, and I just, I'm not real, I'm not really real clear what my thoughts are here, but what I'm saying is that you're right. They're close to making some decisions here and they're getting statements from Watson. And the bad thing is, is that we're going to see a penalty. We're going to see what it is. Then we're going to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Any guesses if you had to predict right now what that penalty will be? I think it's six or eight weeks in suspension. That's, and, that's my guess. If the total guests don't have anything to go off of, I'm going off of what he's done, what he, the commissioner, has done in the past with precedent when it came to domestic abuse mm-hmm. and thinking this is going to sort of be looked at in that same kind of way. I don't see it being more than eight weeks. I don't see it being more than half a season. Um, and here's something, too, to think about when it comes to the schedule that was just released. In the first six weeks, one primetime national game, a Thursday night game against the Steelers, which, I mean, it's the Steelers and the Browns people would watch anyway. Um, I don't find that a coincidence that the Browns national televised games are backloaded. No, I don't find that. The, the one that they do have, I'm looking at the schedule now, is week eight, Monday night football on, on Halloween versus the Bengals. He'll play that night. That might I be the night so. he comes back. That's what I think. I think that he's unsuspended after week six. Week seven, they're at Baltimore. Week eight, they got the, that's a Monday night game. Yeah, I, I can see that. If they suspend him for eight weeks, then he comes back with games at Miami, at Buffalo. I think it's going to be a six or seven game suspension now that I look at it because I'm thinking – the first game he actually plays is week eight at home against the Bengals on Monday Night Football. Uh, Drew Brees, it looks like that he's out of a job at NBC. 
that uh, he was in a situation where he wanted to call more games. NBC didn't have really much opportunities to do that. He was a studio analyst, did a decent job, and called the Notre Dame football games. I thought he was fine there, but he did a pretty bad job with that playoff game that he called the Bengals-Raiders game with uh, with uh, Mike, Mike Tirico there. And there was a thought at the time when NBC hired Drew Brees. Remember, he signed a contract before he was even retired. He was still playing. Um, at that time, he had said that, you know, he was the intention was for him to go there um, and eventually replace Chris Collinsworth. That doesn't look like that's going to happen. Fox potentially has the door for him to call more games. But then Drew Brees himself says, hmm, maybe I want to play football again. What the hell's going on with Drew Brees? There's no way he's playing football again, right? I don't think so. I, I, Drew Brees was washed for two seasons before he was out. And I got the tweet right here. And this is, despite speculation from many about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for a pickleball tour, the, the senior golf tour, coach my kids or all the above. I'll let you know. I think he said this in jest. I think he said the whole thing about playing football again in jest. I don't think that he's going to go play in Seattle. There's no chance he's playing for the Saints this year. Um, yeah, I just don't think that it was a – I think he was having some fun, and I think people saw that and wanted to put a Tom Brady-esque speculation on this. Drew Brees is not coming back to play football in the NFL. And, yeah. and the only reason he would have beforehand, he's definitely not going to New Orleans because Sean Payton's gone. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a bigger story to the whole Drew Brees, Sean Payton, and what the Saints are currently doing. But this is, again, the time and place for that right now. But, um, yeah, I, I think that he's going to end up at Fox. I think he'll either be the temporary number one guy or the, or the number two guy with Greg Olson number one. And you know, holding kind of kind of holding the plate till Tom Brady is the number one guy. Um, yeah, I think he wants the call games. I don't think he likes the whole um, in the studio thing. I think he likes being at the game and being a part of the game, the study that goes involved with that. It's I think funny that's what likes. you say that. I mean, I, I mean, it's true that he feels that way. But anybody that watched Drew Brees on television could easily tell you he's much better in the studio than he is calling games. I mean, yeah, I, that, that I game wonder, he did, that Bengals-Raiders game was bad. He was bad in that game. That I was Booger McFarland yeah. bad. Yeah, he was he was bad in that game. But, I mean, I don't know how bad he'd be consistently calling games and, and doing the same interviews week to week to week. You know, I mean, he wasn't bad at Notre Dame games. Right now, it's a different animal because you're seeing the same people every week. You have to go to practices, that kind of thing. I think it was the circumstance more than anything else, and why he was bad for that one game. I also think part of it is Drew Brees does not want to say anything bad about somebody, and there was a lot to not like in that game. If you yeah. remember that game, that was a poorly played game by both teams, and it was poorly officiated. Yes, and I don't think Drew Brees wants to criticize people. No. And I think that was a big problem that people don't talk about in that, that, in that particular instance. I've never heard anybody speculate about why, because I've heard lots of people criticize Drew Brees for that, but I haven't heard that explanation. I think that's a big part of it. You know, I'll, I'll say this before we move on real quick, Bo. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard of a broadcaster more scrutinized for one broadcast other than what Drew Brees has gone I through since that play. absolutely 100% agree with you. Yeah. 
I absolutely agree with you 100. percent And I, I think he'll be fine. And give, when given some time, he's going to be with a be with a, a same number one guy. I, who did he call that game with? Was it Mike Tirico? Mike Tirico, yeah. Who I mean, he's a fine. I mean, Mike Tirico is really good, but I don't think that they were a great mesh together either. I don't yeah. know. I, I think Mike Tirico is very overrated person. Really, I love. Tirico. I do. I, I think he's pretty overrated in my in my view. I I think that he's. I think ex, I think he is excellent at all things. I think that calling football is one of his worst. You know, one of the things with Jerico that I found that I didn't understand was I didn't see why NBC pushed so bad to move Tariko to the booth to get rid of Al Michaels. I thought yeah. they had the best of both to have Tariko on the studio and Al Michaels yeah. in the booth. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Tariko was always a good natural fit for replacing Bob Costas when he did. Yeah, he was great. And being the jack of all trades and master of many of them. Um I think with Al Michaels, it was an age thing. He's what seventy-eight, something like that. Seventy-eight. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an age thing more than anything else. And I think that once they'll come to a point where Al Michaels' fastball won't be as good anymore, and you'll see the decline go step go quickly. That's nature that age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I last thing I'm rooting for Al Michaels. <laughs> uh, ESPN FPI. Uh, it's a joke in college football. Uh, is it a joke in the NFL from the numbers you're seeing too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, we just talked briefly before we came on. I wish I had it handy. Let me see if I can get it back up here. Yep, I got it here. The FPI, so I think I read this off to you before we came on. And I find it numbingly dumb that one of last year's Super Bowl participants, the, the, the Bengals, is currently ranked 16th. Now, it isn't like they went and lost a lot of players on that. Team. No, they improved their they improved the team. Lines. And now I can see the argument of you saying, well, the Browns improved their team by adding Deshaun Watson, but he's probably not going to be there for us. We just talked about probably six to eight weeks. They may be two or three games behind the Bengals by the time he gets back. Yeah. I don't think that the I don't think that the uh um Ravens got any better in the offseason, and they're five spots ahead. Of the Bengals, I think other kind of contending teams, some of the middle tier teams that I'm looking for, uh, the Titans have been a team you and I have been big on the last couple of years. I'm not as big on them this year, but the Eagles and the Saints, the two teams I thought really improved themselves in the draft real well, they got them at 18 and 19, and I think we'll see by the end of the year one or two of those teams make the playoffs. Yeah, I do. I think both. I think both of them are going to make the playoffs. Uh, I can no, see the Eagles winning the NFC East. I could see that too. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, one more thing, actually. Uh, the Saints, the moves that they made this week, pretty active. Uh, they got a lot better here. Yeah, you, they brought in Jarvis Landry. Um, that was, to me, so I think the whole thing with the Drew Brees thing goes back to the joke of, you know, hey, you go get Jarvis Landry and you go get Tyron Matthew and then you, you drafted Chris Olave. Where were these guys when Drew Brees was there? You know, they always made Drew Brees play with the, the beer man. You know, I mean, yeah. literally, a guy driving a beer, a beer truck is, is a receiver for Drew Brees. I think that's part of it. But what I think is it shows a shift in their team from the way Sean Payton thought about things of my system is my system and anybody can play in it to we need to have a really great team around Jameis Winston. If Alvin Kamara is healthy, if Michael Thomas is healthy, 
you added Chris Olave, you had Jarvis Landry. Jameis Winston is going to be a really going to be good enough quarterback to drive that, 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 that sports car. And on the defensive side, that team is going to be freaking phenomenal. They have a top three defense right now. I mean, I'll put them up there with Buffalo in the, in the top defenses in the Rams and the top defenses in the league. I mean, they're going to be phenomenal. Yeah. So, I, mean, I, I agree. I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing. I like they're kind of staying the hell with it with the salary cap and they're moving forward. They got deals on guys to come in for agency wise. They drafted real well. And again, I'm kind of looking at the Eagles the same way. I like what the Eagles are doing too. I, if I had to say under the radar, who are the two teams you might like? Give me the Eagles and the Saints. Well, and, and it seemed like everybody was talking about Jarvis Landry going to Baltimore. New Orleans gets him. And yeah. now I'm like, who's Lamar supposed to throw the football to? Exactly. Maybe he's maybe Sean Payton's going to call the, the offense there and go get him a beer man to throw to. I don't know. It, it's pretty ridiculous. If I was, I think that Lamar Jackson should be madder right now than Aaron Rodgers was one year ago. And he still hasn't gotten his extension either. Nope. No, I I think Lamar should be really, really pissed off. And I think rightfully so right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. He's Coach Bo. Check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast each and every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Also check out O'Connor Advisor Group, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com as well. Bo's going to stick around as uh, we will shift gears now and get to our draft season segment this week. We will break down the best fast food menu options. So how this week's draft will work is that we are going to go with these fast food items, and that way everybody isn't just hoarding the Whataburger menu. We will not allow more than two picks per restaurant is how that will go. And we were also trying to find a middle ground with this fast food of what is fast food. Uh, (laughs) And, Bo, the definition that we came up with fast food is that it has to have an outdoor menu. Yeah, so drive-through or some kind of an outdoor menu of some kind. Okay, we've got to eliminate the pizza places. Right, that's a big one. Eliminating pizza—that's not something you can walk in and order. And then I think we had to eliminate Chipotle. Yes, well, like otherwise Chipotle. I would just take five Chipotle items. Honorable mention to Chipotle. Food. Well, I like Chipotle. Tom, you I mean, a Chipotle guy. You know, I I like Chipotle, and also you know, I, you know, I've I've ran a poll before. I was disappointed. I like Qdoba more. Oh gosh, no! Ooh, I, can't, I can't do that. Uh, that. That's one of the worst takes I've ever heard. Uh, I'm only ran out of business in Lawrence. Yeah, I mean that's it. That's just well, for Qdoba. Yes. Yeah, yeah. See, it, that's it's your own people that do it to you. Q, Qdoba is like the place. It's like your city's not big enough to have a Chipotle. You also got that that despicable restaurant that is Culver's. <laughs> Tom, I kinda, tell Bo I kind of like Culver's. It's a place Cul- I go re- a lot, but I like Culver's. No, Culver's sounds like a goddamn meat market. <laughs> that ain't a, that ain't, you know, that ain't a, that ain't a fast food joint. You're going to get your, your cheap cuts. That's where you get the cheap cuts at. Culver's. Culver's cheap cuts. Tyler, you remember this? You lived in Kansas. What is the name of the place? They got they don't have one here in Lawrence. They don't have any one north up here, but they're like down toward Wichita. They also have like the convenience store inside of it. 
know what I'm talking about? They have uh, like the they have the they have like the great like ice cream and, and then they have like you can get a few items in the oh god I can't think of the name of it now. Oh, I, I don't know. really good burgers. I, hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. You're not talking about Brahms, are you? Brahms. That's exactly oh, Brahms. what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Not a gas station. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it's not a gas station. You're, no, 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 no. You're, you're thinking I love of Brahms. Brahms market. Yeah, Brahms has got a market in it. In yes. The I've seen top, it. Yeah. Top, tier, top tier milk, honestly. I'm not even yes. a milk. And the ice cream's incredible. The chocolate Brahms milk got- is phenomenal. Um, yes. My pet peeve with Brahms, Tom, is that you can't get it to go. If you take it to your house, even if you live like five, ten minutes away, your food's going to be cold when you get home. You got to eat it at the Brahms. Burgers soggy. Right. That's my thing on McDonald's too. Same thing on McDonald's. You got to eat. You got to eat McDonald's as soon as you get it in the car. Right. Or no sit there. You are not eating. You are not door dashing McDonald's or Brahms. I'm not. No. 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 So now that we've uh, stated our grievances and our loves, uh, let's go ahead and get to the draft itself. Uh, six items each, uh, snake draft style. Tom had the first pick last week, so Bo gets the first pick this time, then Tom, then me, in reverse order from there. So uh, officially, Bo, you are now on the clock with the first pick in our draft season, fast food item draft. Go okay, ahead. this is the greatest. This is the true GOAT. This is the GOAT. I don't care what anybody else says. This may not this may have gotten to me in the second round, but I'm taking it now. And that is the Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich. No pickles. That is the best sandwich I have ever had. You know, I think the Popeye sandwich probably was going to be a high pick no matter what. Tom, I like the, the Popeye sandwich. I do, but you got to keep the pickles on it. Uh, I'm not a the pickles guy, so no. Okay. I'll eat- all eat your but it's got to be the spicy. It's got to be the, that that stuff they put on the spicy chicken dips. Okay, yeah. so Bo with the first pick goes with the Popeyes chicken sandwich, spicy chicken sandwich. So what you're telling me, Bo, is that if you're sick and you're at home and you ask me, "Hey Tyler, can you bring me some food?" You're hoping I'm bringing you the Popeyes spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah, if I can taste, if I can eat, if I can taste it, that's what I want. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. I'll, I'll take care of my friend. Um, <laughs> Tom, you are now on the clock with the second pick. Jones, you know what's coming. It's it's the uh, it's it's the greatest menu item, maybe of all time. Uh, I think it's better than the Popeyes chicken sandwich. You know, Bo's got that Louisiana bias to him. You know, he's loving that chicken at Popeyes. Well, I'm loving the patty melt from Whataburger. It's maybe I, I. It's my favorite menu item of all time, fast food wise. And I, I, I any really, I love patty melts. Just anyway, just the grilled onions. You can't get better than that. It's a that, solid, solid pick. That's a great pick, um, Tom. I'll be honest with you. Tonight for dinner, I had the Whataburger patty melt. So it I can delicious. It was phenomenal. I loved it. Um, that is very high on my list. Uh, the, I'm going to go with another Whataburger item. Um, this one you can't miss. I'm either going with this or the patty melts. I mean, it's a back and forth and I'm going to go with the, uh, the, the Whataburger triple cheeseburger with bacon on it. Like the bacon's a very important detail in this. I'm going with the Whataburger triple cheese. 
with uh, my per- first pick. Tom, uh, you, you like that bacon cheeseburger there? Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty solid. There's another menu item I have in mind, and I could go back-to-back, but I'm, I'm not going to go back-to-back with that. Well, I, I got another pick here. No, I got the back I'd like to see what happens here. <laughs> so now I'm going to go to my second favorite choice, and that's Chick-fil-A. And with the spicy chicken sandwich at Popeye's off the board, I'm going to go with its biggest competitor. Give me the spicy chicken deluxe sandwich at Chick-fil-A. Bo, it's it's good. I love the spicy chicken deluxe. Okay, so I do like the spicy chicken. I like I like I like Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I like Popeye's better. I say the part of it is I like my religion on the side when I eat. I don't like to, I like to mix and match my, my spicy chicken sandwich with my with my Jesus. But um, no, I think that that's a solid choice as well. I think, you know, we had these chicken sandwich like debates for a while. Yes. And there's, I mean, to me, it was one for Popeye's and everything else is kind of below. But I don't think so far I like your choices. And I, I really liked the triple Whataburger because when I order Whataburger, it's triple with cheese, with bacon, with mustard, with ketchup. Yeah. So, so that so was going to be a we're doing really pretty good as well. So far, we're doing pretty good and we're yeah. hungry. Uh, Tom, you're up next with your second pick. Jones, and, and before I take this, you know, that was going to be actually my, my next pick um, was the spicy, chick, the spicy chicken deluxe. I think what sets it apart from the Popeyes is the lettuce on it. I'm going to be honest with you. Every time I get it, I get no tomato, though, because I don't, I don't do tomatoes, but uh, Jones, since you since you took that one from me, I'm gonna go ahead and go back to back Whataburger, and I'm gonna go with the honey butter chicken honey butter chicken biscuit from Whataburger. Ooh, uh, that's a great way to start off your morning with that honey butter chicken biscuit. And now. Now you're out of Whataburger picks, Tom. No more Whataburger picks the rest of the way. Right, those, are my top, those are my top two items. Okay. Okay. Uh, Bo, you're on the clock with back-to-back picks here. Okay. Um, I- I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go with an obvious one that no one's gotten yet, but we got to have to get to these things. They're going to go fast, and that's French fries, and McDonald's is the best French fries. Ooh. As long as they're coming out hot, I'll take McDonald's fries. Okay. A great pick. I was gonna be my next one. That's uh that's that's an OG pick too. Like everyone, if you don't like McDonald's French fries, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a bad thing. I mean it says something. Now look, McDonald's fries, as soon as they are even lukewarm, are horrible. But if you get them hot, they're perfect. They're the best ones. Okay. Um tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little off the board here. I'm gonna go with a Wendy's Frosty. God damn it! Oh, you've taken it. That was gonna be my next one after that. If you took McDonald's fries, that's a great choice. And I, I went with the Wendy's Frosty. Uh, the chocolate, not the vanilla, not the swirl. Wendy's Frosty. I like that. I'm gonna go. I, we could always get a burger. You know, we can find good enough burgers. And there's still two or three on the board that are worth taking. So I'm not too worried about that. I'm going with my Wendy's Frosty, and I am the weird guy who will dip a fry in the Frosty. That's not weird at all, actually. I like the, <laughs> the salty and the sweet. Mm-hmm. Tom, you're on the clock. Man, Bo, you're, just, you're hammering me out here. Uh, really hammering me out here. You know, you, you talk about burgers. 
I'm going to have to go with the animal style burger from in and out. Okay. Uh, I think, I think in and out and water burger are one V one. Um, and, and yeah, I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go that route. Uh, very, uh, very solid pick there. Um, I, I like the animal style burger in and out. Uh, I'm going back to Popeye's and, uh, I'm going to go with a bucket of chicken. Like you got the family, Bo, you're a family man. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you got a Sunday afternoon, you're watching football, and you got to think, well, what can I do to feed everybody and make everybody happy? Well, I'm going to go get the bucket of chicken. And there's going to be – everyone's going to be pleased, and they're going to have a great yeah. time. They're going to sleep good. You're going to have a nice Sunday oh, yeah. nap. The, the bucket of chicken from Popeye's is a win-win. Yeah, so they don't do that for buckets. You know, you get the box. But, the box yeah. of chicken, yeah. Yeah, buckets are at KFC. But yeah, yeah, and we're I, I love the KFC. I'll tell you why I love the pick. Popeye's chicken is actually the preferred birthday dinner for Coach Bo. Okay. It's what I is my go-to, what I ask for for dinner for my birthday. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so- I love it. I, I, I've, I've grown up on Popeye's chicken. I love it. Love it completely. The so far, st- the- I think, Bo, I just need to get you like a Popeye's gift card for your birthday or something. That, that's not a bad idea. It will get used. <laughs> Can I tell you a quick spicy chicken sandwich story from Pope, or Popeye's story real quick? Yes, before my pick. You're giving me okay. more time to think, yes. Oh, good. Okay, so I have a, an aunt who I, doesn't, I don't think she listens to this. So I can make fun of her a little bit here. She lives in Louisiana. She lives in a small city, um, and she's a bus driver. She has been a school bus driver for like 30 years. Okay. She goes to Popeye's Chicken a couple times a week. You know how when you go through certain drive throughs they have that little bar? where you can't go certain heights underneath yes when they remodeled that popeye's chicken they took that bar out and did it where it was there was no hangover of the drive-through because of the bus okay now when the spicy chicken sandwich came out it was not available here in lawrence in lawrence kansas for a little while much to my chagrin talking to my aunt one day on the phone and I said, hey, we're finally getting that spicy chicken sandwich. I said, have you had it yet? Because remember, we like on social media at the time, there was the big fights, whether it was the right. Chick-fil-A sandwich or the Popeye's one or Wendy's or whatever. And my aunt, all she said when I said someone, I asked her, how good is that spicy chicken sandwich? She just went, ooh, child. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm going tomorrow <laughs> to get that sandwich. <laughs> I knew that if she said it was good. It was good, and to get over there, and I was not disappointed. <laughs> That's a great story. I love so, it. They give you some time to get. Your yes, yes, and uh, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stay in the chicken family, and I'm gonna go with the go-to place when it comes to chicken fingers, and it's good anytime lunch, dinner, especially late night after you've had a few too many, and they're open till three a.m. usually. Give me that box combo from Raisin Cane's. Man, I love me some Raisin Cane's too. That Caniac sauce. Oh, and, and the and the rule here too, folks: never order the coleslaw. No, never. Everybody has for, their own signature order. Mine is no slaw, extra toast. Extra toast, Bob style, butter on both sides. Oh, I hadn't done that yet. Yes, you could get extra fries too, but do not get yeah. the damn coleslaw. I know Tom hates coleslaw. 
That was when I first started worrying about Coach Ogeron when I heard his order was no fries, extra slaw. Ooh, extra slaw? Yeah, that's what I heard about Coach O. I was really worried about Coach Ogeron. That's well, when I knew the wheels were going to come off with that championship. That's when I heard that was his order, <laughs> Raising Canes. <laughs> Tom, well, uh, Tom, no, no slaw with this pick. You're on the clock. Yeah, no, huh? No, it's not gonna. You know, you'll never get slaw from me. Um, that's a that's a sin. Um, but Jones and and Bo, I'm gonna go with one that I think is gonna be a crowd favorite. I enjoy it. It's been a long time since any of us have had this menu item. It's just recently come back as of this week. And I'm going to Taco Bell, and I'm going to take the Mexican pizza. Okay. You know, I've never had the Mexican pizza at Taco Bell. You're missing out. Okay, so now I'm going to give you the things that will blow your mind. I've only eaten Taco Bell like three times in my entire life. I think I've had weeks where I ate at Taco Bell more than that. And I despise Taco Bell. Really? There, I if if That's every, I'm in a thing. group and everyone goes to Taco Bell, I'm just getting a soda and sort of sit down. I'm not gonna eat anything there. I do not like Taco Bell at all. Those Taco Bell boxes for like five or six bucks—that's like stealing food. Well, you gotta also understand I'm, I'm much much older than you guys, and so the money is not an issue anymore. <laughs> Money's not an <laughs> issue. That must be nice. Well, I'm not saying I would go spend a hundred dollars, but what I'm saying is I don't have to get the five dollar meal. Although you know what does hit is that Wendy's get that five for five. Ooh, that thing's not bad. Yeah. Okay, Bo. Um, you are uh, back on the clock. Uh, okay. What are we doing now? All right. We got a back to back picture. Back to back picks here. So Tom went In and Out Burger animal style. Does that mean we still have In and Out burgers? Yes, um, I have a not the animal one. style version, right? Okay, yeah, I, I'm not an animal style. I don't like thousand dollar dress. Just, just a personal preference. And I'm a, I like double doubles, but I don't like lettuce. So the shredded lettuce that's gone. But I found one. You know, the In and Out Burger has the the menu, the un, off the menu menu, right? And if you've never had this, I dare you to try it. The four by four. Explain that for the folks that don't know. It is four patties. It is four slices of cheese. There is no lettuce on the four by four. And it's served with, I think it's, what do they usually put on there? It's like, it's like ketchup or mustard or something. Yeah. It's like uh, or is it? a, a fry sauce or something. Yeah. It, that's what's got fat. It's not, the, it's not the animal style stuff. It's a huge burger. It's about 10 bucks. Totally worth it. Okay. So I'm going with the in and out four by four. Then you cannot get a don't even bother getting a side with that. Don't get any fries. Just get you that orange drink and you're good to go. Okay. I like it. Tom, you're back on the clock. Pick number five. So did we decide wait, that? Wait, wait, wait. I got two back to back, don't I? Oh, yeah, yeah. You got one more. Yeah, wait, wait, hold okay. on. Yeah, yeah, you do. Okay. This is your yeah. last one, two, three, four. This is your last pick. Okay. So I got a burger, I got a chicken sandwich, I got fries, I got a frosty. So now I'm going to go to, I got to have something breakfast. And, you know, everywhere you go now, when you have these places, they got drive throughs and that's Krispy Kreme. So I'm taking Krispy Kreme glazed donuts. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And, and hot. You got to have it Cold. hot. Oh, when that Don't light's on. Time with Krispy Kreme if it's not hot. 
if the if the lights on, you better get in line, brother. Get your stuff right now. Oh, that's get them a, while they're hot. That's a very good pick. All right, um, Tom, what do you got now? So, did we decide if um, food court, like mall food court, food is is a free game? Yes, I think so. Well, in that case, I will take the classic Auntie Anne's pretzel with nacho cheese. Solid choice. Ooh. Everybody, I've never met a person that did not like Auntie Anne's pretzels. I think I get that every time I'm in the mall. They're delicious. Yeah. I don't usually go to malls. I'm located outside of a mall. Yeah. That's a good choice. That's a good Um, choice. All right, so now I have the back-to-back here. Um, For my final two selections, to end the fifth round, begin the sixth round. Um, This one, this might be controversial. It might not be. You either love it. Is it going to be Stalin controversial? (laughs) Yes, it will be. It will be Stalin controversial. You either love it or you hate this place. And I love this place with a passion. Um, And... To me, it's it's I, I can never I, I hate myself after I eat it, but it's worth it. I'm gonna go with the beef and cheddar from Arby's. <laughs> you know what I, I don't ever go, go ahead, Arby's. Tom. Go ahead, yeah. Tom. That's what I get when I go to Arby's on the on the rare occasion that I go. Yeah. I gotta get the beef and cheddar without the onion bun, though. I gotta get the onion seed on the bottom like that. And you can't do that red ranch. That red ranch is terrible. I don't do any ranch. Um, I specifically asked for no red ranch. Um, and then my final pick, this I don't, this place I just discovered recently. Uh, I'd never been before, really, till about three or four weeks ago. And now I love it, and I've been going back. Um, the first sandwich off the board, I'm going to go with uh, the Jersey Mike's Italian Sub. <laughs> I've never had Jersey Mike's. They didn't move the needle for both. I only had it once. It's just like eh, it was the same as going to Subway or most of those sandwich places are about the same. It was uh it, it was it hit different than the other Did sandwich it? places. But I will maybe give that a try again. I liked it. Uh I think Bo, I think uh Firehouse overrated, Subway overpriced, Quiznos yeah. overrated. They even have Quiznos anymore. Uh, you should ask your friend Billy. Uh, he, he keeps him em, uh, employed. Um, but yeah, Jersey Mike's hit different than the others. So that's my final pick. I go with the Jersey Mike's Italian sub. Uh, Tom, your final pick. You know, I've <clears throat> kind of been around the board here. Um, I did want the Frosty. I'll tell you that. I really wanted the Frosty. Um, but Bo snatched that one up. I think if I had to choose on, is this the final pick? I would guess if Bo's out and you're out, this would be I my got final. One more. Bo's got, got one, one behind you. Oh, he's got one more. Well, you know, he got the McDonald's fries, which I think that are the best fries in the business. So I'll take the second best fries in the business. I will go with Chick Fil A waffle fries. That's a good pick. That is. If I couldn't have got McDonald's fries, that's the fries I would have gone for. Those waffle fries are good. That's a very good pick. Bo, your final pick to end the draft. All right, so, man, I've already got my chicken sandwich. I've got a burger. I've got the best fries. I've got the best frosty and the best dessert. i got the best breakfast. 
So I got to go something that's just me and my Cajun ass and what I like to eat. And for fun, I'm going to add a side dish here. And I love Popeye's red beans and rice. So that's my last one is Popeye's red beans and rice. You know, uh, the red beans and rice, I'm not a big uh, beans and rice fan myself, but if I had to eat beans and rice, I would go to go to Popeye's bowl. That, that's my final pick. All right. Um, so to recap the draft, Team Bo is Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich, McDonald's French fries, Wendy's Frosty, In-N-Out 4x4, Krispy Kreme hot glazed donut, and Popeye's red beans and rice. Team Tom is the water burger patty melt, the water burger honey butter chicken biscuit, animal style burger at In-N-Out, the Taco Bell Mexican pizza, Auntie Anne's pretzel with nacho cheese, and Chick-fil-A waffle fries. Team Jones is the Whataburger bacon triple cheeseburger, the Chick-fil-A spicy chicken deluxe, the Popeye's box of chicken, the Raisin Cane's box combo, and the Arby's beef and cheddar, as well as the Jersey Mike's Italian sub. So um, I like all of our teams, quite frankly. I think we did a good job with this draft as a collective unit. Um, but if, if I had to pick, besides my own, Bo, you – you got my attention with getting the Krispy Kreme hot glazed donut. That team stands out to me because of Krispy Kreme. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like my team. I also like Tom's team. I don't like your team at all. I don't think I just, I don't like your draft style. I think is what it comes down to. <laughs> uh, wow. You know, the box, if you go in with the box combo and the box of chicken, did you, did you get a third combo of some kind too? I mean, you know, you get a fries and a drink with everything. I mean, that's those uh, going for the throat. Wow! The entire time you liked my picks, and now you. I do like the picks. I, I like. I tell you, when you read back Tom's, I was like, "That's pretty good." That's. It, I think the thing is, you got to mix things up. So you think I got too much chicken? I think it's too much chicken. <laughs> now, see, I can get caught up in that because I like chicken as well. This draft, like, I wasn't going to go multiple chicken. I wasn't going to go multiple burgers. So to review the draft, we had a lot of chicken and a lot of burgers. Not much Mexican beyond the Mexican pizza from Taco Bell. Yeah. Well, you knew I wasn't going to take any Mexican food. It's my least favorite kind of food. Really, I love. Yeah, I'm just not. I love I, that's a personal. Pre- and I know I'm weird. I know it. Like my friends give me shit about it. My wife gives me shit about it. I like what I like, and I just don't like a lot of cheap Mexican food. Tom, what do you think of the two, the uh, the teams here? Well, I can tell you that I knew when we decided who was going where. I knew I was either getting the patty melt or the spicy chicken deluxe, because um, I knew either way you were going to take the patty melt or the spicy chicken deluxe. Both caught me off guard. I thought I was at least getting the McDonald's fries. I was like, okay, no. In my mind, I was like, okay, no one's going to think of the Frosty. And then Bo got him back to back. And so other than my own, I'd have to go with Bo for the fact that he just snatched up two, two goats real quick. Um, I do like my Auntie Anne's pick. Uh, that is a classic. It's underrated. Nobody really thinks of it right off the top. Uh, Auntie Anne's pretzels are goaded. Their smoothies there are goaded. Honestly, at the, the Auntie Anne's that I grew up on, they had like the best Coke coming out of the machine. Their their syrup to carbonation rating was on point. 
Uh, if the mall was open right now, I might drive there and get an Auntie Anne's Brussels. Um, I am proud that none of us took like a Starbucks coffee or something. Um, no Sonic items. Yeah. I almost went with a Sonic Cherry Limeade or a Sonic Slush. Yeah. Yeah. Cherry Limeade was on my list. I just didn't get there. The, so the undrafted free agents, uh, I think Brahms ice cream would, would have been up there. Yeah. Uh, Brahms ice cream. Uh, also, uh, we mentioned there uh, some of the others that we, we had talked about. Um, yeah, well, sure. this, this is a good team. I think we can all collectively uh, be satisfied with the uh, group this week. And next week, we'll uh, do another draft and uh, see what we come up with for uh, week three as we continue draft season. Here on the Jones Report. Both appreciate so, the time as always. Hey, I, real quick. Does that mean I'm I'm two and oh now, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're you're one and one. I, I won last week. Oh, no chance. Jones, Jones, put this up for vote. You gotta put it on the gram. Put yeah. it up for vote. We gotta put them up for votes and, and you gotta get some people in here on this because there's no way you won last week. Like you, you follow you were a distant third. No, no, no. I was teams I, that didn't draft were better than you last week. I week. was the highest one. I, I got an A plus grade in my draft. Oh Jesus, no, no, no! You got like a D minus. You got like a, I mean, just a liar, liar, pants on fire rating for your draft last week. <laughs> this week, I think we all got good grades here. I think you got a B plus. I think Tom got an A. I think I got. An a. I think put, I'm put it to the vote. Okay, we will. We'll put it to the vote. Uh, I'm the Bill Belichick. Uh, Bo is, uh, like, uh, maybe Kevin Colbert, the Steelers. Um, I think I can say I'm more like Jimmy Johnson over here. I just changed the game and, <laughs> and don't get the credit that I deserve. <laughs> Very good picks. We'll do it again next week. A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's go ahead and get to our Big 12 breakdown this week. And we told you on last week's show about a new idea from the Big 12 uh, actually, from the NCAA, rather, that the NCAA is considering changing up the conference championship policies. And basically, as it stands right now, that in a conference championship scenario, that you have to have divisions in order to uh, you know, have your conference championship game unless you play a full round-robin schedule. So in the Big 12's case, they send the top two teams from their conference because they play a full round-robin and then play in the conference championship game. Conferences like the SEC and the Big 10 and such have divisions. The division champs play in the conference championship. Now a rule's been proposed to basically unpackage that rule that lets the conferences do whatever they want to see fit to name their conference champion, much like college basketball. We have all these conference basketball tournaments in college basketball, but it's because they choose for that to happen. If they wanted to, the automatic bid in college basketball could just go to the regular season champ, but they don't decide to do it that way. They choose to have a conference tournament. So with that being said, one idea from our friends at Heartland College Sports is a four-team playoff for the Big 12 Conference before the actual playoff. So let me break that down for you. What you do is, instead of a conference championship game as is that pits the top two teams or having divisions 
then you would just say, nah, no, 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 no. We're going to take the top four teams and we're going to put them in their own playoff. And then hopefully the winner of that or someone else also still makes the big playoff after that. Tom, it sounds entertaining, definitely exciting, but that, that to me sounds like too many games, unless you're going to have an automatic bid that says that the winner of the conference playoff or whatever you want to call it makes the real playoff. Uh, I, I, I think that's, it causes too much of a situation for uh, vulnerability for to, to hurt your playoff chances more than help them. Yeah, hundred percent. And it sounds like blast, especially if your team was one of the top four, or maybe if you were the final team in and, you know, got some upsets there, um, you know, and, and we had mentioned or talked about this before um, the show that it would be, you know, the, the, the top seed would get in the, I guess the top two seeds in the, in the final four of the, of, of a conference, like a conference title final four would, would have home field advantage in the first round. And then sure the final two would play at AT&T in Dallas, but, um, you know, Jones is just too many games. It's, it's as much how fun it would be. Um, I think the big 12 would shoot it down just because you mentioned the vulnerability. Um, you know, if you have a surefire team that's going to go to the playoff and they choke away a game. Um, then you could, you could be essentially screwing yourself out of the playoff as a conference altogether. Right. And you know, I would be okay with this if you're going to guarantee a playoff berth, but also if other conferences are doing it. And I know that I say this, Tom, with one of the biggest complaints we've made, probably the biggest complaint we've made about the Big 12 is that they're never forward thinking. This conference is always reactionary in everything they do. This would be a trend-setting thought but just because it's a trend-setting thought doesn't mean it's a good idea. Just because you're doing something different doesn't necessarily mean that's a great idea either, unless everyone else is going to do that. Because here, here's the thing, too. Let's say that you give the automatic bid, you know, an automatic bid to the playoff for whoever wins the Big 12 playoff. Okay, that's cool. But what if all those other conferences aren't doing that? and you've made your team play an extra game and they're more tired, they got more wear and tear, more injuries and such, then you hurt your team's chances in the playoff, let alone making it and such. So it, there's got to be some uniformity for all of this to work. Right. I mean, yeah, there would have to be some sort of, of kind of agreement among all the, all the teams just in the NCAA that, hey, we're going to do it this way. Other than that, it would just be – it would honestly be a mess. Right, right. As cool, cool as it sounds. Yeah, it's, it, it sounds exciting, but I don't know how much benefit there is, uh, really, when it's all said and done. Uh, right, another, just, just would not – I don't think would work. Yeah, I don't think so either. Another thing from our friends at Heartland uh, that I, I want to pick up on – is uh, something that they've uh, thrown out for every Big 12 team, a bold prediction. And uh, I have some thoughts. I want to go through these one by one, and Thomas, you weigh in too. Uh, let's start with West Virginia. 
All right, JT Daniels will throw for over 20 touchdown passes. Uh, I agree with that. I think JT Daniels is going to be the second best quarterback in this conference, only behind Quinn Ewers at Texas. I think JT Daniels is going to have a great year. I wouldn't stop at 20 touchdowns. I think he's going to have 30 touchdowns. I'm expecting a big year from JT Daniels and that offense there at West Virginia under Neil Brown. I like that uh, bet on uh, Neil, on uh, JT Daniels there, Tom. I do. I, I think that's, uh, you know, you could say old because, you know, maybe prior Neil Brown offenses haven't been, you know, top notch or high powered, but I, I think that's what, I think that's what West Virginia is missing. Next one, uh, Iowa State uh, quarterback Hunter Deckers will be better than Brock Purdy last year. Brock Purdy had just 19 touchdown passes. You lose Brees Hall as well as Charlie Kolar, but you bring back Xavier Hutchinson and Jalen Noel. Tom, what do you think? Hunter Deckers, is he going to be better than Brock Purdy? No, no, not a chance. And this uh, comes from Brock Purdy's biggest hater, too. Right. No, I, I think Iowa State's in for a down year, um, especially after what they kind of, like, had going last year, just the disappointment. It's not a knock on Matt Campbell by any means. I think they just kind of got to rebuild a little bit there. Um, you know, they're not going to come back and, and do better than they even did this year, which I, they severely underperformed last year, so. I expect them to finish like, I don't know, probably fifth or sixth in the conference. Yeah, uh, I'll go no on that as well. Uh, and for me, it's the pieces that they lost. I know that they bring back Xavier Hutchinson and Jalen Noel, but um, I think that offense is going to take a step back as a whole, losing all those pieces. Don't expect that. We don't want to put that type of pressure on Hunter Deckers right away. The Kansas Jayhawks running back Devin Neal will rush for over a thousand yards this season. I'm going to go yes on this. Uh, Devin Neal, I've seen him since he was 15 or 16 years old at Lawrence High. He is phenomenal. He's got things you can't teach. Special kid. That offensive line is going to be a lot better. He's clearly their number one running back. Kansas, for as bad as the football's been, the running backs have been really good at KU the last several years. And Devin Neal is as good as any of them. I think he goes for over a thousand yards if he stays healthy. I like that one, Tom. Yeah, so do I. And I think that, that, you know, I, I think KU will rely on that running game because it's been good for them for so long. Um, and so I expect to see a little bit more of that, especially out of this kid. Um, I don't think that's too bold. I think that's, I think overall that's a pretty good, bold take right i think that has a pretty good high chance of uh of happening uh let's move on to k-state running back deuce vaughn will finish fifth or will finish in the top five in heisman voting i like deuce vaughn deuce vaughn is a really good running back uh he's had a great career at k-state and uh he's a good return man and such too but you know, we don't talk about the Heisman and guys from K-State. The last Heisman finalist K-State had was Colin Klein. Um, I don't think enough people nationally are going to know what's going on in Manhattan, Kansas, to give a damn about Deuce Vaughn. I think I'll have a good year, but I don't think it's a Heisman-worthy campaign. I'll vote no on that, Tom. Yeah, no, I'm going no as well. I don't – I can't see – you know, as much as I like Deuce Vaughn and as much as I like K-State, there's – no, it's not happening. Let's go to the pokes now. Quarterback Spencer Sanders puts it all together this year. 
Uh, I'm going to vote no on this one. You know, I've been wanting Spencer to succeed. You know, he was a a highly recruited guy coming out of high school, got the chance to start, uh, you know, there as a redshirt freshman, but he's not any better now than he was then. And he's had every opportunity, all sorts of weapons to work with. Um, If I haven't seen it now, I don't see reason to think why it's going to happen all of a sudden now. And I'm not a big fan of their offensive coordinator, Casey Dunn, either, comparatively speaking to the great OCs that OSU's had. Uh, I'm not putting my stock in Spencer Sanders, despite being the Big 12 first-team quarterback last year. He might be the worst ever Big 12 first-team quarterback uh, in all seriousness. No, Spencer Sanders has not put it together this year. Tom, what do you think? You know, I think he does. I really do think he does. That's a little bit of wishful thinking, maybe on my end. Um, but I, to be honest with you, I've seen improvement every year. I've seen it on the back half of this season, minus the big 12 championship game. Um, I think, you know, I'll, I would put money down. I would put, I would put some serious money down to be honest with you on OSU going back to the big 12 championship and getting it done this year. Um, I think, I, I don't, I don't think that's too crazy. I think he finally does put it all together. What, what, by all together, what does that entail necessarily? Does that entail a Heisman candidate season? No. Um, but I, I do think that he limits limits the turnovers that ended up costing them uh, essentially everything last season. Uh, OU, Marvin Mims breaks out at wide receiver. I thought he already did that last year. I liked what I saw from Marvin Mims. Talented player, good deep ball threat. Um, Marvin Mims, I think uh, he's going to be the number one receiver of that OU offense. You lose Mike Williams to USC. He transfers out with Caleb Williams. Um, Marvin Mims, I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, I like Marvin Mims. I would say yes on that, Tom. I would say yes on that, too. I don't think that's too much of a bold. I don't really wouldn't call that very bold, to be honest. I think I think they could have done better on OU and said that Dylan Gabriel – would be the Heisman candidate or some crazy bash thing like that. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine uh, that being the story there? Um, that'd be, that'd be certainly bold. If we talked about uh, Dylan Gabriel's Heisman candidate. No, that's not happening by the way. Um, Texas tech Donovan Smith will be the guy at quarterback. Got a chance to play last year when uh, Tyler Schaff went down with injury Um, He looked pretty good in his time there. Uh, You know, that Iowa State game in particular had 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. You know, I I haven't seen enough of Donovan Smith, if we're going to be honest with you, for me to have a confirmed take one way or the other. So just by the lack of knowledge of Donovan Smith, in all honesty here, Tom, I'm going to vote no. That's, That's not a diss on Donovan Smith. I just haven't seen enough tape yet. No, neither have I. I haven't. I haven't seen what that he'll bring to the table. I haven't seen enough out of tech um, to, to prove that they would be able to support and, and actually make something out of him. Um, not to say that he won't have a good season or, you know, maybe he could surprise. I just, I think that's pretty bold um, coming without, a, without a whole lot of evidence. A couple more for you. TCU Quentin Johnston will lead the big 12 in receiving yards in 2022. He averaged 19.2 yards per catch last season and was terrific. Third year as a starter now. Quentin Johnson, 
Uh, really good player. Uh, you know, terrific there at, at TCU. His problem is, I don't know who's going to be getting him the football, whether it's Max or uh, whether they uh, go with the uh, former OU quarterback that uh, that was once there and such. I mean, there are options there, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with the quarterback position is, is, to me, the worry. Johnston's a good receiver, but I don't necessarily trust uh, you know, Max Duggan to be that guy. If Chandler Morris is throwing him the football, then I can see that happening. But if they're going to ride with Duggan, then they got some problems. Yeah, I think that one's pretty 50-50, right? I mean, to, to call it like that when the quarterback situation is so shaky or, you know, maybe up in the air, is that's, that's a pretty bold one. I don't know if I agree with that yet. Like if Quentin, Quentin Johnston, let's say, Tom, played – at, I don't know, West Virginia or Texas and had, you know, a good quarterback that we know for certain, that's a yes. It's this one, it's not about him. It's about who's getting him the ball. Exactly. And and, and I think with that being so uncertain and no, no more Gary Patterson, the question's even there as far as coaching goes. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what to think um, about TCU. That's going to be a... Uh, kind of a story all season post Gary Patterson, how that team looks. And they haven't been to a bowl game in five years. Isn't that crazy there for TCU? Uh, a couple more for you real quick. Baylor, Blake Sharpen, or Schappen. I keep wanting to call him Sharpen. Blake Schappen will be the best Baylor quarterback since the Art Bryles era. I am going to go with yes on that one. Uh, in all honesty, in uh, the Matt Rule days to the beginnings of Dave Aranda, the quarterback play at Baylor has not been that great. They've been winning games despite their quarterback play. Blake Shapin was terrific in that Big 12 championship game, completing 17 passes in a row. He's extremely accurate. He's clutch. Uh, I have no reason to think that Blake Shapin won't be the best quarterback since the Art Bryles era. And there were some pretty dang good quarterbacks in that Art Bryles era. We haven't seen those since. Uh, I like Shapin. Uh, I, I think that's an easy call. I'll go yes. Uh, I think it's still a little prisoner of the moment um, at this point. I, I don't think there's enough tape on him just yet. And I think as soon as the tape comes in, I think we might see a little bit of a drop off. I'm um, sure. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm bitter because of what happened in the big 12 championship game, um, but you know, not enough tape. I don't think on him yet. I think eventually he'll get figured out not to say that he won't be great or the best since RG three at Baylor. I don't like you said. I don't think it's. I don't think you're saying a whole lot there, because um, they haven't had good quarterback play. Um, but yeah, I'm not buying that just yet. Last one, Texas. Bijan Robinson wins the Heisman Trophy. They tried to make him a Heisman candidate last season, and Texas started losing way too many football games. Bijan Robinson is, I think, the best running back in college football. He's terrific. He's going to have a big year. Um, but the Heisman, for the most part, is a quarterback award. It goes to quarterbacks more times than not. It's very rarely that we get that running back or wide receiver like we did Devonta Smith a couple of years ago. So not a knock on Bijan Robinson. I think Bijan's terrific, but it's very hard for a non-quarterback to win that award. I'm not putting my money on a non-quarterback. I don't think Bijan's one of the Heisman, but I think he's going to be fantastic he'll have a great year 
Yeah, I think you'll have a great year too. And and you know, who's to say that if it doesn't go well again for Texas, that he won't, you know, won't set himself out and go straight to the draft. Um, you know, running backs are, you know, they're precious at this point. Um, you know, you don't want to have an injury to to derail. Now, you know, that being said, if Texas had, if Texas is actually back this season and they kind of let the gate open um, for Robinson, then, yeah, I could see it. But I'm not going to bet on him being winning the Heisman when, when Texas might not even make a bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. That's our uh, Big 12 breakdown this week going over – the uh, biggest stories in the Big 12 Conference. Before we go, it is time for our Tom Fullery story of the week, where we tell you about something foolish happening in the world. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Jones, we are going to go across the pond here. We're going to the UK. Um, and, and this has to do, Jones, thank God, that uh, we don't have to deal with this condition. Um <laughs> But that's not to say that a, a lot of other men that are, you know, even our age, I know a lot of people my age that are uh, have this condition. And, uh, you know, now if you call out that condition for what it is, at least in the UK, you could be charged with sexual harassment. Um, this is all over. Um, there's a lot of different articles that have this one. The particular one that I will be reading from is from Mint. Uh, LiveMint.com and article title reads Watch What You Say UK Tribunal Rules Calling Man Bald at Work is Sexual Harassment This ruling comes in context with a complaint from Tony Finn, 64, who claims that he had been a victim of sexual harassment when his manufacturing firm colleague said he was and I quote, a bald c**t a United Kingdom court employment has determined that calling a man bald will fall under the purview of sexual harassment in a workplace environment. I thought the other term would have. Yeah, you would think so. Um, And maybe maybe that's part of it too. Um, But maybe they just thought they'd throw in bald in there. I'm not 100% sure. But the ruling is made by three-member panel led by Judge Jonathan Brain, who pointed out their own lack of hair, comes in a case between a veteran electrician and his employers. Finn had worked for the West Yorkshire-based British Bung Company for almost 24 years when he was fired in May last year. Finn alleged that during a shop floor row that almost erupted in violence in July 2019, Mr. Kate had referred to him as a bald <laughs> Hair loss is much more prevalent among men than women. Obviously, I don't think that needed to be said. So using it to describe someone as a form of discrimination, a judge found. (laughs) Excuse me. However, as all three members of of the tribunal will vouchsafe, baldness is much more prevalent in men than women. We find it to be inherently related to sex, the judge notes. Tribunal said of the bald comment, it was a violation of the claimant's dignity. It created an intimidating environment for him, and it related to the claimant's sex. Tribunal accepted that the lawyer appearing on behalf of the company British Bung Manufacturing Company Limited was right to submit that women as well as men may be bald. The case was heard at Sheffield in Northern England over February and April this year. Finn is in line for compensation after winning claims of unfair dismissal 
wrongful dismissal and being subjected to sexual sexual harassment. The incident related defense complaint was within reference to an altercation in July 2019. Um, Finn told the tribunal I was working on a machine that I had to cover awaiting specialist repair. The covers were taken off and it was apparent that Jamie King had done this. When I spoke to him about it, he began to call me a stupid old bald c- and threatened to deck me. Fearful for my personal safety, I retreated to the nearby office of Addie Hudson. The supervisor, Jamie, continued his tirade of threats and abuse at the office door. That was This was witnessed by Addie. The tribunal concluded that King did threaten the claimant with physical violence and made perjured remarks about the claimant's age or appearance. The tribunal therefore determines that by referring to the claimant as a bald on, 20, on July 24, 2019, King's conduct was unwanted. It was a violation of the claimant's dignity. It created an intimidating environment for him. It was done for that purpose, and it related to the claimant's sex, the judge reads. Jones, I'm not buying this. I'm not buying it for a second. Um, this sounds like a, a money grab. And it, it, honestly, to me, Jones, it's a crock. Um, I don't think calling someone bald, you know, is is sexual harassment in the workplace or not. You know, we talked about this prior to, to this recording. Like, how are you going to play Guess Who? You know, right. uh, you know, like, can you not say, does my, I guess, well, you have to say, does my client have hair? You can't say, or does my person have hair? Or you can't say, is my person bald anymore? I mean, at what point are we going to stop this madness? Now, like, I know a, a couple of bold people. I mean, we all do. And they always act kind of, I don't know necessarily how to describe it, but a little sensitive about it. Like, uh, you know, a friend of the show, Derek Haglin, you know, I, I can't tease him too much about it. He says he's a champion of the ball community. But if I hand him too much for being bald, you know, then I know that irritates him a little bit. I mean, I think bald people are kind of sensitive about it. They don't embrace it as much as you would think. Now, according to CNBC on this, Tom, the tribunal compared commenting on a man's baldness to commenting on a woman's breast size. What? There's there's no comparison. It's not comparable. Yeah, I think all this was is just a money grab, you know. The lawyer said, well, you know, we could probably do this too and and get a settlement out of it. You know, throw this in there and they'll just settle. Uh, You know, they'll just make a settlement and we won't have to drag this out longer. This is All this is is just a little money plea. Uh, you know, this is a little ploy by the lawyer to, to hurry this case along further. Right. Not to and get too just, graphic here, but just, just some simple science here, folks, because trust the science, as they say. Um, all bald heads are the same. Uh, a breast size, you know, on a woman varies. It's different by women and such. You know, I mean, um, and, and again, I'm not, just to be clear, I'm not advocating, you know, commenting on you know, women's breast size and all that. But, like, it's not comparable. They're, they're totally different things. All bald heads are the same. Breast sizes are different everywhere. I mean, yeah, like, what if he would have called them, you know, what if he would have said his ears were big, like, you big-eared <laughs> yeah. then, then Then what? Are you big nose? You know, he could have said anything. Is that, you know, or big noses or big ears or, you know, for ugly, you could call them ugly-eared. You know, um, is, does that make it sexual harassment? No. 
like just because you're bold, you know, maybe, you know, I guess this, this happened in 2019. So this was before the Chris Rock GI Joe comment um, about Jada Pika Smith. And that, that's completely different. I mean, I, I can see now if this man actually had like alopecia, um, you know, maybe it would be more discrimination um you know against a, you know against a person in terms of of a disease or a a uh you know just a disorder a person has this man just is bald probably by nature because the man is 164 um and is an older gentleman and you know as we get older maybe not maybe not your uh, native heritage jones you might be good um i don't know any i don't know any I don't even, I don't know any bald natives. So I was born bald. I'm a former bald man, but at two years old, I grew hair and I've never lost it since. I haven't grayed or anything. My hair is very thick, very beautiful. Um, my, you just I, facial hair. Right. I just can't really grow much facial hair, but I do love the hair on my head. And uh, I don't think that I'm ever going to gray. Uh, I will, but I would like to not think so. And if I do, uh, Tom, I'm going to color my hair until I look, look ridiculous for coloring my hair. Uh, what's his name on NFL Live? Maybe not NFL Live. One of the NFL shows colors his hair. Might be uh, Fox. Uh, Bob Costas colors his hair, and he's like almost 80 years old. I can't think of this guy's name. I'll send same, with, same with Al Michaels, too. Like, I love Al, but Al, you got to quit using the hair color now. Right. And you know what? If I, you know, I get, I have a few grays every now and then on the front of my head, and I get a few gray facial hairs every now and then. And you know what? If I start graying, I'm going to take it gracefully. I don't think I'll go bald. My hairline, I could tell you, is not what it was when I was 16, 17, 18. Um, but I, my hair's not thin, but I actually have very coarse hair, to be honest with you. So I tell you I, what though, Tom, I'd rather have white hair any day than be bald. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would say that's too. And it's nothing against bad being bald. If I ever started to like start balding, I would just embrace it and shave it off. I, I think balding looks a lot worse. Like a, you don't want a Terry Bradshaw haircut. Oh, Terry Bradshaw's hair is terrible. You know, he, he needs to go from Terry Bradshaw terrible to just embrace the baldness and go full Charles Charles Barkley terrible. I'm surprised yeah. more people don't do the Bill Self toupee. I see. I would never rock a toupee because by the chance that it falls off in public or something. See, or I, I think Bill's got his like sewn onto his head. That thing yeah. isn't moving. Yeah, it's, yeah, it has to be sewn in, almost like hair extensions. Right. That would almost make it, you know. I mean, because if you look at Bill's son, Tyler, who's a couple of years older than me, like he's he's probably your age now. He's like 28, 29, something like that. Tyler's like already almost bald. I'm like, there's no way that Bill's hair is not fake, it's fake that he's not wearing a toupee. Right, and I know, I know – people that are your age jones that that uh i know a couple guys that are bald already um and their dad is it was bald and you know it's just kind of this is kind of how it is um you know so yeah. you know, I think, 
I think it should be embraced. You know, maybe maybe I can't say that because I've never been bald before, but I don't think it's a sexual harassment term. I think that's a load of Yeah, uh, I think that's putting it mildly. Um, now, now here's what I wonder, though, Tom. Um, you know, we hear all these people all the time that they say that, you know, oh, you know, I, I've always... You know, I, I treat people with the utmost respect. I've never never sexually harassed anybody, you know, and all this. You know, they give their spiel and all that. Um, are we going to have to stop and second guess now? Like, oh, wait, I've made fun of bald people now. Now I've actually sexually harassed somebody. You know, I maybe. I mean, thank God that that was in the UK and not America yet. Right. Uh, you know, I'm sure someone will see that case and, and get their due. Um, you know, by all means. This guy felt like he was slighted by this company. I mean, at that point, go and get your bag. But, you know, I, I think I think even that guy knows it's a crock. Uh, you know, it's just kind of a way to, to, to get the company to settle and, um, you know, get out of the get out of the legal process maybe quicker or just to get more money. Um there's been some great bald people over the years. Maybe our next draft, we need to draft like the best bald guys. Right. And and depending on how much money this guy gets, maybe I draft this guy. Yeah. Maybe. Or, you know. You know, <laughs> yeah. like I don't know. It's it's just like uh there's so much other, you know, you could have got him for more so a derogatory, a derogatory term in the C words than you could have uh, for saying ball. That's that's what almost baffles me the most here. Right. Oh, you know, but good. it could have been any, it could have really been any word. So, but, you know, I don't know. Right. That's, that's tomfoolery. <laughs> and there you have it. That will do it for today's show. Big thanks to Nota Begay for joining us on the program, as well as Coach Bold for stopping by, and you, the listener, as well. As always, subscribe to the Jones Sport. New episodes out each and every uh, Thursday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. We're on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at Studio underscore Soapbox. Instagram, Toggle Jones Live, Insta Thomas, and Jones underscore report. You can find us there. And we will see you right back here next week. Thomas and I will be out at the PGA Championship this week. And uh, looking forward to being out that out there. It is going to be a great time, a special place. We'll have updates on our social media platforms. If you're out there and see us, feel free to say hello. And we'd love to meet you and hang out. And, and I hope you enjoy our right, city and have a great time. Go ahead, Tom. Bye. Yeah, if you're out there and you and you feel generous with your with your uh, monetary funds, feel free to to throw down eighteen dollars on an eighteen dollar Michelob. Yes, we, we will. Uh, we'll shout you out. You know, uh, maybe we'll. Uh, maybe that's what we need to do, Tom. Is we need to Black shotgun Coke. some. We need to shot shotgun some eighteen dollar Michelobes. Be the most expensive shotgun ever. Right? We'd be making history. It'd be great. Uh, on that note, we will go for Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor, Nota Begay, our entire crew of Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.